Hey, After Buzzers, before we move on to your next topic, we just want to say thanks to our sponsor, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Plus, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Also, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Plus, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. The Jericho Network on Westwood One. Featuring weekly news, insider commentary, and interviews with superstars, past and present from the world of pro wrestling. A new day is dawning for DX. And now, your host, Sean X-Pac Waltman. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to X-Pac 12360, your one-year anniversary episode. Can't believe we made it a year. Actually, I can. I can believe it. <laughs> Scenery's changed a little bit around here. Yeah, new intro in video, new logo. Yeah. Um, but, okay, the normal cast of characters is here, <laughs> except for Bill Hanstock from Up Rocks. And sitting where Bill usually sits is, uh, I can't, you know, I can't thank him enough for coming. Uh, it means so much to be uh, Cold Stone Steve Austin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You had to get that receipt, didn't you? I bust your name on my podcast as a rib, so you had to pay a brother back. Trade secrets. Always get you paid back or you receive it in. Thank you. It's good to be here. Did anybody, thank you. Did anybody ever ask you about that, about Mike Dyson calling you Cold Stone? Oh, all the time. Did you sell it? I don't remember you even selling it. No, I couldn't sell it. I mean, I'm dealing with Mike Tyson. If I was going to complain about it, I mean, all they got to do is just give me yeah. a right hand or something. <laughs> I don't mess with Mike. In a work atmosphere, I mean, that guy was gold to work with. And oh, yeah. I just saw him, uh, it was a few months back. Uh, we were at the Ritz-Carlton drinking margaritas, and all of a sudden Mike rolls in with his family and, and all of his kind of entourage that were going uh, to do something. And God dang, I was half lit. Mike, man, what's going on? So it was like a family reunion. We hugged and everything. But no, man, if Mike wanted to call me Cold Stone, I'm Cold Stone. Exactly. Yeah. And he, you know, did you see the stuff he did a few, few years back with Sean and uh, and 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 who was he? Who was he? Who did he do that with? What? When he got in the ring. Oh, Mike Tyson. Yeah, on recently? Raw. On no, Raw? a few years back. And Sean was in the match, and and anyways. Oh, you go back to fourteen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was, oh. That was a long time ago. No, 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 no. Oh, I'm not talking about. I'm You're talking about before the, the Hall of Fame, right? Yeah. Before just, he went, oh, before Tyson it. went into the Hall of Fame and yeah. he showed up. But anyways, I, all I wanted to just say was he did amazing on that. Oh, people love my gears. Yeah. You know, a lot of people don't know that he's a smart guy. Yes. He's very smart. And the thing that was fun about working with him in the wrestling business, because he's such a historian of the business, he knew a lot more about the history of the business than the boys did. Yeah. So, man, he'd be asking me about older guys, this, that, or whatever. He was in tune. Yes, so, he was. He was a fun guy to hang out with. Especially all that, all that, uh, that WWF stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah he knows yeah, about yeah. all that. And he, cause he grew up watching it. But he he loves cool superstar guy. Billy Graham, right? That was his favorite wrestler? I don't know about that, but anyways, you know, I mean, he was That would have been a good person to be a favorite yeah, wrestler no because kidding, right? superstar, you know, when, when he came out back in those days when he was spitting out all those 
crazy promos with the rhymes in the physique and that crazy sideburn and that look of confidence that he had yeah. out there. I mean, he was like at another level and he was in, his, in a different world. So, man, I got big props to Superstar because really he was the first Stone Cold because, you know, when Senior oh, well, was yeah. running a promotion, he was a white hot heel who transitioned himself into a baby. But Senior didn't really no. know what to do with him. They take a strap off of him, give it to Backlund. Superstar almost melts down. And he really had a hard time coming to group Sure. And he went down to uh, what, NWA or WCW was NWA back yeah. then. But he was, to me, and you could ask Superstar, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but he was never the same after that. Did you, on, you remember we were talking about on your show, the Hidden Gem section in the WWE Network? Yeah. Well, there's a, there's one match on there. For, no, it's not Hidden Gems. It's the old school uh, section oh. where they have like old MSG house shows. Yeah. And they had one on there when Superstar came back with the karate gimmick. Yes. And his body, you could tell, his body, man, you could tell where there used to be muscle. It was just like a bag of bones. I hate to sound like that. It was really rough looking at him like that. It was different. And then when he shaved the head, it was a yeah. whole different presentation. That, and that, that's, he already shaved the head at yeah. that point. I mean, yeah. he, was, he was doing a lot of that down when he went to back down south. Yeah. And here's the thing. Was it was it uh, Georgia Championship Wrestling or was it even NWA? Whatever. But when they named that uh, DVD 20 years ahead of his time, yeah. he was. For real. Yeah, absolutely. And if you, if you go back and, and you watch some of the old programs of the stuff he worked with Dusty, because they did three matches in the garden. Yes. And those two guys cutting promos because, you know, they were, who was first? Was it Dusty or was it Superstar? I, I wonder. Dusty. Yeah. Uh, but I think they were, they, they were inspired by each other. I think they, I think they fed off each other. They, they, I think they bit some of each other's stuff, like but the brother thing. Two I guys think might have been. bringing that kind of promo style. Yeah, it was, it was just lights out, and they drew money. And and you know how about this with Superstar? If you watch his matches, and he's just jacked. There's nobody even close to as jacked as him. And he does a test of strength, or no, he locks up with Dusty, and Dusty powers him up, and he goes flying halfway across the ring. Yeah, it's it's just tremendous. Well, it was smart. Yeah. And, and classically, was he the best worker in the history of the business? No, but not by a long stretch. But he was an entertaining wrestler who could get heat, and he was in his own world. And if you watch back in those old days when Vince was doing those in-ring interviews, yeah. and he had that Arizona State shirt on, I watch his video probably a few times a year. And he's talking about... So he had the hat on? Yeah, yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. You're excited. Whatever. There's pandemonium in the air. And he starts yeah. doing all that, and Vince almost breaks a smile. Uh. Dude, he could light it up. Yeah, you could. Man. How do we start spinning off on that? I don't know, man, but I'm glad to talk about Superstar Billy Graham any day of the week. But if you remember the first time you met me? Yeah, I gave you, uh, what's my language parameters? Uh, you're all right. I mean, we just don't drop that. Okay, bonus. I gave you crap about driving that, uh, whatever, about a 1978 Chevrolet Chevette. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't that it? Yeah, you guys were in. Uh, me and Brian. Yeah, it was you and, and uh, I don't know if Brian was there. Brian, yeah, I think Brian, it was Nash and, and, uh, and Raven. And, and uh, I had a Chevette. And it was not, it was you know, I was embarrassed. To, I parked it about three blocks down the street. I didn't even want to park it up to the uh, St. Paul Civic Center. And, uh, and so they gave me a ride to my car. And, oh, man, I heard about it. <laughs> hey, but here's the thing. One time, you know, like... When you get in the business, you always drive, because normally when you first break it in, yeah. ain't nobody making no money. So you're piled together and rent a car because you're all splitting expenses. Yeah. And then finally, you start making a little bit of money, and so you start riding by yourself or with maybe one other compadre. Me being the lone wolf, I always like to ride by myself. Once I started making enough dough that I could do that, and then one time when he was working Vegas, 
all the boys always stay at the same hotel. And I said, man, I'm gonna pull a rip because I still am inherently very cheap. And man, I pulled up in a, in a Geo Metro, very reminiscent <laughs> of the car you used to drive and had an aftermarket Sparkomatic radio. And I pulled in front of Valet Park and driving that Pollock. Trash. Where'd you get it? The, the, no, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't one of the, the mainstream rental cars. Yeah. It was like gimmick rental cars. Yeah. And it was like thirteen ninety nine yeah. a day, three miles. And I pulled up and I just <laughs> I, everybody on the crew just basically disowned me. They didn't know, know what to think. Nobody rode with you? Oh no, no, I was riding solo, dude. When you got the money to afford a thirteen ninety nine a day rental car, you ride by yeah. yourself. Did, we need to put a dollar on a blackjack game. Jack, Jack Manz and Dave Hebner did the same shit in, uh, in in Phoenix one time. They pulled up in an old Ford Fairmont with like hubcap rims on it, and you know the whole nine yards. And yeah. they said rent a rack on the side of it. Yeah, yeah, and they were proud, proud as people. Pre- ugh, easy for me to say, proud <laughs> as peacocks about that damn car. Renting cars, they got a story and a life uh, all into themselves. And now knowing what I know after some of the things that we did way back in the nineties, yeah, it won't go into the details. But yeah, so are you saying you'd never own a previous uh, a car that was previously in a not by the boys, not right. by the boys. <laughs> yeah, if it could be just a normal rental car out of a fleet, yeah, yeah, I can see that because they normally take very good care of their cars. But you know, when when you well Barry Wyndham, dude, he was teaching uh, Bradshaw. How to do a donut going 60, 70 miles yeah. an hour? No, a kid, you know, flip it like this, and you know they're out there. I think the cops pulled him over one time, but so yeah, they went through their share of abuse. Here's a story, a quick Barry Windham story, how cool he was. I first rolled into WCW. It was give or take '91, only a couple years in the business, and the new guy in the territory. You've been in these shoes yeah. before, and all of a sudden we're at the airport. Man, I'm in a bigger loop now. I've been working a weekly territory, USWA. USWA, yeah. And uh, Wyndham looks over me and goes, kid, he goes, who are you riding with? I said, I don't know, man, I guess I'm just going to rent a car. And this is back in the day. You know, I didn't make any reservations. You know, you just go on the sure, fly, right? Yeah. You probably did the same thing. He goes, why don't you ride with us? I said, well, cool, him and Pee Wee. Pee Wee's no longer with Pee-wee us. Pee Wee Anderson. And so anyway, I got in the car. He goes, it was a Cadillac, brand new Cadillac with a North Star V8. I ain't never sat in a Cadillac, much less drove one. And Barry's a big hot rod guy. And so he goes, kid, you want to drive? I said, well, sure. So we're going down the highway. It was somewhere in the south, Florida, uh, Georgia, somewhere like that. And we're going down the road. And I'm just looking at all the you know, gadgets on the, you know, right there on the yeah. spinometer and all that stuff. And, man, I veer off the road and I jerk it back. And, you know, like, it was kind of scary because I was going by 70. And Barry, did, you know, the king of the no-sell. He's reading a Hot Rod magazine or a four-wheel drive magazine, and, and you know how Barry is. He just looks at me like this. You okay, kid? <laughs> you know, almost killed us. Yeah. I just pulled back on the road because I was just checking all the fancy gadgetry on the Cadillac. <laughs> anyway, that's kind of guy Barry was. Did you work with him much? Did I work with that guy? Because I know we didn't we didn't talk about that. We talked about Barry a little bit oh, working yeah. with Flair, but we never talked about you working with him. Dude, I have uh, several little bit of scars on my thumb that have kind of faded over the years. Yeah. I'm working in WCW TV tapings with that guy, a couple of 30-minute Broadways, some other matches that went over 20, uh, many in the house shows. And back in the day, I used to throw a left-handed clothesline because that's where I was taught, and I switched to the right. But, man, I would catch him... Barry, right there with that thumb or that part of my hand in his grill, yeah. almost seemingly every match. And he was the most giving guy, and he could have always thrown a receipt. And he's also bigger than me and a tough veteran, sure, but one of the smoothest guys in the world. And he never bitched, complained, moaned, or nothing. And he'd be bleeding from the mouth right there. You can watch, watch some of that stuff on TV. Yeah. And no, man, that guy was awesome. Was it a ducking situation where you were throwing one that he was supposed to duck? 
No, it was just me being a little errant and probably oh. a little excited. And it's funny because we were doing a little sound check and you were getting your headphones turned yeah. up. And it's like back in the day, you know, I don't hear very good to begin with. So I was calling matches at an early age. I might have been listening to Barry that night. And since I don't oh, okay. hear shit, I might have missed something. And so yeah. if I don't hear something, I'm close lining your mouth. Yeah, I did, right? <laughs> but I, I mean, but when you're working with a guy that's a that's a left-handed guy, and he's and like you're doing a spot, and you're trying to duck his clothesline, and you're used to a righty, and he's throwing a left. Man, you can have a malfunction at the junction real easy on that. The man. worst malfunction at the junction is not getting clipped in the mouth. It's, run, it's running on the wrong side of the yeah. arm that's throwing the clothesline. <laughs> if he's throwing it this way and you drive by that way, yeah. it's like, I don't care how smart you business, we know it's a work. But that was that was the shit. That's when you hit the Benny Hill music. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <Awesome>. <laughs> yeah, Mark. <laughs> and then back and forth, and slow, fast yeah. motion, real quick. <laughs> yeah, episode fifty-two, guys. One year, keeping it real. Good stuff. God, I hate to bring this up. It's your show, but speaking of stuff like that, you ever watch that Botchmania? Yeah. I mean, I love it. I do too. A lot of people get because I, I made a few of them. Uh, but God dang, it's so entertaining when you yeah. see people blow blow stuff in the ring as long as nobody gets hurt. Exactly. Yeah, because I've seen some uh, some gifs or whatever you call them, the GIFs. I don't know what terminology. GIF, GIF. Yeah. I don't know uh, either. Hurricane <laughs> Helms. Shane Helms will yeah. send them to me, and it'll be like a lot of stuff out of Japan and uh, just people doing these crazy bumps, and I'm thinking, oh my God, what were you thinking? But that botch mania, I'll get on there and I'm like, holy smokes. I mean, because I love wrestling yeah, and I, I love serious wrestling, but some of the stuff when people make, or, or it could be even promo and they capture it all and point it all out. It's, it's pretty good. Like that one that, that Lex Luger did? Oh, the t-shirts are too tight one? <laughs> Boy, I mean, he's done many of them. Yeah, but no, this yeah. is a classic. Okay, you got to turn promos. me on to that. I'll watch Anyways, it. Anyways, no, but I, I did a show with the comedian uh, named Ron Bunches and... Uh, and basically what we did is do like a mystery science theater 3000 style show. Everybody sits there. But if they want to get high beforehand, they go smoke a little pot. Right. Uh, we all laugh and, and make fun. Of, and, and so I had Matthew, we call him was, Matthew. Matthew from Botchamania, make, a, make a, uh, a compilation of my greatest botches. Oh. And so I started off by roasting myself. Because, you know, if you can't laugh at yourself, yeah. you shouldn't be laughing at everybody else's shit. But I loved it. I loved Botchamania. Well, I'm glad you said that because I was a big fan of Mr. Science uh, 3000. But the fact that you're making fun of your own shit, because like, you know, I like to see other stuff, but I don't, I, man, I just don't like to take shots at guys. Because right. I wasn't the most graceful guy in the ring. But if, if it was my stuff or like we're doing you or me yeah. together, that'd be great. But yeah, I just don't want to chop on anybody else. Now, that being said, going back to those old WCW TV tapes at yeah. the stage. God dang, you you know the setup down there. All those little bitty dressing rooms, and there'd be a monitor this big, sure. and black and white, if I remember. And there would be Arn Anderson, and Arn was over, and he was highly respected. And you talk about a roast. You talk yes. about slice nice, and he was over. He was really the only guy who could get away with it. Every now and then, Lex Luger would take a shot at somebody, and everybody's thinking. F you talking about? Right. You ain't got no reason yeah, to talk. Yeah, yeah. But if Arn blistered you, first of all, it's a compliment that he even gave uh, enough of a damn to say anything about you. But he was a king of the locker room. Why did Arn call Lex eggplant? 
<laughs> why why did he call I don't know I don't you'd have to ask Arn he comed up with the damnedest uh, I don't know what, what do you call them Sayings or Sayings Arnisms yeah. let's call them Arnisms yeah. yeah I don't know how he comes up with half shit he comes up with but it's always gold and he had the great nicknames like like Chief like Strongbow had nicknames he had yeah. his and his were even funnier way yeah. funnier than Strongbow's well I remember one time I showed up at WCW I was kind of mired in a mid-card type endeavor, push, whatever. They didn't really know what the hell to do with me. You know, who would have? When I look back at that old footage, stringy-ass hair, sometimes I had a, some remnants of a beard or whatever I thought was cool at the time. I, I, I'll talk about transformations in a second. Oh, but I walk in, dude, I walk in <laughs> in a pair of loafers. Dude, me and loafers. Light blue jeans, I had a sports coat on, and, and a pullover, nice, like an Izod shirt. Wasn't doing some nice shit for me, okay? Mm. Some of the best shit I ever had. And he... He looks at me as he shakes his head, and his nickname for me was Hog. Yeah. How he came up with Hog, I have no idea. And he goes, Hog, you dressing up is like trying to put mag wheels on a dump truck. <laughs> <laughs> you can put some yeah. badass Krager Super Sports yeah. on that a dump truck, but it's, at the end of the day, it's still just a dump truck. Yeah. I was like, boy, thanks a lot, Art. Did you, would you tell the brass set so they give me a push? You guys want to hop in here? Yeah. I don't want to bogart the whole thing. <laughs> so one of my favorite Austin moments is the is the segment where you beat up Booker T in the grocery store in Bakersfield. I wanted to know, what was your initial reaction when they first told you you were going to do that? And have you ever gone back to that grocery store? That was a green for all grocery store. I have people that email me that to this day uh, because that was such a great segment. Uh, that store has since closed down and it's no longer in business. I think we did about... We only did like $10,000 worth of damage, which I thought we did a lot more than that, so I was pretty economical. But, uh, man, I remember going over with Book. I didn't want to do anything that he, he didn't want to do because he's the guy taking the brunt of all the stuff. And 95% of it was on the fly ad lib. We went through the beats, thought what we could, saw what we could get away with or things that wouldn't hurt him again because, I mean, it was anything in a store. And, man, he was cool with everything. And then uh, I can't remember how price check on a jackass came out at the end. But there was just, man, it was, it was cool. And me and Book, we, we got along as soon as he rolled into WCW way back in the day, him and Stevie Ray. They were a pretty good tag team. And they were very physically impressive. Oh, yeah. And then, uh, you know, Book, I think we were on an overseas uh, trip. And he, a lot of people didn't know, but Book was ribbing the, the boys about half the time. And he goes, yeah, man. I'm one of the top five workers in the world. Yes. <laughs> you remember yes. that? But yeah, that yeah, messed yeah. with a lot of guys' heads. Oh, yeah. yeah so, <laughs> and, and I was like, dude, I said, you're too much. I said, you're too much. And he'd always laugh. But uh -huh. He never smart anybody up. So fast forward, many years later, we got to the WWF. And uh, God dang, we was out there. And me and Book worked a lot together. And God dang, you know, I, I laid my shit in, and so did he. And one time, I mean, he hit me, I swear to God, with everything he got. And boy, a lot of times I'm very patient on that receipt. Yeah. And he hit me so hard, boy, I shot that right hand out and just clocked him. But here's the thing, my right arm does not extend all the way past this, this point because uh -huh. of all the uh, calcium in that joint. And uh, we got to the end of the match. I said, God dang it. I said, boy, if my right arm would have straightened out, I'd have knocked your ass out. And I said, I'll tell you what, Book, if you and me ever get in a fight, I know I can whip your ass because you hit me as hard as you can and it did not me out. So, me and Book had a lot of good memories. Yeah, I, and he came through, you know, it's, it's like, um, you know, you, you went through Dallas and then uh, to WCW and, and him, he and Lash, his brother, Stevie Ray, did the same thing. 
I got, I had the, I had the honor of being able to work in Dallas, and uh, the Sportatorium is no longer there. Uh, but uh, any any like memory, like I know I don't mean for this to be such a generic question, but it's just you know, man, the Sportatorium. I you know the ring, man. The ring, that's the hardest ring I've ever been in the in the north in the continental United States. Well, that's something that's rough. I remember I rolled into Chris Adams wrestling school and we started doing tumbling drills and learned how to take a flat back bump. And it's, yeah. it's always funny because when, when I hosted Tough Enough years ago and uh, like Miss America uh, came out there and man, she took that first bump and you could see the look on her eyes and like, holy shit, this is a little bit harder than I thought it was gonna be. You either like to take a bump or you don't like to take a bump. You know, and yeah. I, I like taking bumps, and, and for most people, ninety percent, you know, they they dig it and they get along with it. But to your point, that ring was hard as hell, and it was on a wooden floor. It might as well have been concrete, because I remember someone shit canned me out of the ring one time <laughs> on a six man tag. It was me, Jeff Gaylord, and somebody else. I think oh god, damn, I forget, I forget the guy who was our partner. Anyway, they threw me outside. I missed the rope. Anytime you get thrown out of the ring, you're trying to grab something. Second, first, second, third rope, whatever. What's it? And it's easy to miss that rope because it's so low, the top rope in that ring. So I missed that thing and and ended up, if that's the apron, down there, and I hit my my chin on that pipe. Yeah. And boy, I came up, and I had a gash from here to here. You can't see it because my goatee's covering it up all the way to the bone. And... uh, First thing comes to you, Gaylord, I think, is still in prison for something. Something, yeah. He goes, God dang. He goes, show it to the camera. <laughs> I'm a long, I got long blonde hair, dumber than a box of yeah. rocks, green as grass. Yeah. And, you know, here I got this big ass scar. But that sportatorium, the ring was hard. Uh, I, that night I worked in Cleveland, Texas. I got stitched up 60, 60 stitches and yeah. drove to Cleveland for a spot show. But the Sportatorium was a great building. Uh, George Jones played there. Ellis played there. Every legend That's that was right. in the performing business played there. And when you walked into that that building, you smelled a beer, a piss, hot dogs, and sweat. And then you got that ring. You get got that blood. And you know how those those lights uh, shone when they, when they get on that canvas. Just the smell that comes out of there. Every ring kind of feels a little bit different. It has its own feel, but all of the mats smell the same. And that's that is one of the things someone asked me just on my podcast the other day. I did a Q and A, and that's one of the things that I miss most about the business. You, you miss the the boys. You miss the adrenaline rush. You miss the crowd. You miss the paychecks. But the smell of that ring, the smell of that mat, is is just that's near and dear to my heart. Do you miss the uh, the the blistering heat that went along with it and trying to catch a breath? <laughs> like Dude, do you remember? Did you ever work some of those uh, outdoor shows when we were in Bakersfield and Palmdale? Yeah, or Dude. Rancho Cucamonga and the outdoor baseball stadium and all that. Yeah, it's yeah. so hot you can't yeah. even get on the ground for a three count. Yeah, it's like. Dude, I'll do the favors for anybody, but you know I can't get a third degree burn. No, right? <laughs> like you know, like you always hate the quick count. I'm like, hey, quick count this mm-hmm. bitch. Just get it over. We were at, we were one of those uh, outdoor stadiums in my like my first run w, w, my first tour like the house show tour when I got my eyebrows shaved all that. Anyways, one of them was Rancho Cucamonga, and Jack Lanza was the agent, and he had that the shoe polish was bubbling on the top of his head, man, <laughs> like legit. It was great. It was running yeah. down the side and everything. Bless Jack Lanza's heart. Well, speaking of Jack Lanza, because Minnesota, yeah, I called him last deer season to check in on him, and we talked for about an hour. 
and I know he, he was very important to you. He yes. helped me out so much. He was one of those old school guys that took an interest in me, and he was kind of my go-to agent back in the day. So Lanza was classic, and he, dude, he, you're talking about one of the boys. Yes, he was. Yeah. Through and through. As an agent, even. Yeah. He was yeah. one of the boys, yeah. If you had a, yeah. If you had a good story when you showed up late, you, you were all right. Yeah. You weren't getting fine. <laughs> it could be any number of stories. On, anyway. As long as it's good. Yeah. Oh, well, before we started, we were talking about Lucha Underground. I was wondering how you feel about Willie Mac using the stunner. Man, I think he does a good job with it. And I've been, I've been wanting to have him on a podcast. Did you talk to him? Yeah, you know, I, I, I've known Willie since he was in high school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. And so, uh, so y'all, y'all have history. No, I think it's great. I think he's, he's a damn good worker to begin with. And so anybody's just using it and doing it like he is and put some stank on it and make yeah, it look some good, stank. I dig it. So, I, yeah, someone asked me that question the other day. I was doing some promos for uh, Broken Skull Challenge. And they said, hey, man, when someone borrows someone else's finish, uh, what is the protocol? You know, do you throw down a phone call? I mean, you know, those guys from Bullet Club back in the day, I, yeah. I think they actually called Nash and say, hey, man, do you mind if we do some of the shit you guys were doing? And I said, no, man. Yeah, that's how I feel about yeah. it. I'm like, knock yourselves out. Yeah. I, and I appreciate it, actually. I, it yeah. makes me feel good that, that that's that they're, they're getting over huge and they're doing that. Yeah, but, you know, when they, show, when they throw you a little respect and give you a, yeah. a shout-out or a call or something like that, that, that's cool, but nah, I ain't got no problem with it at all, man. I think it's badass. Well, when you watch Lucha Underground and you see Marty the Moth, you see Ivelisse, you see M-Dog, do you feel the wrong person won tough enough in 2011? No, no, not not at all, based on what was going on right then, right there. Because uh, remember, uh, shoot, I had to take... I had to take Marty Moss' belt because his ankle gave out on him. So he had to go riding off in the sunset. Uh, Matt, you know, he really wasn't doing what he did. In, I love him as, uh, God dang, what's his character in Lucha Underground? Uh, Son of Havoc. Son of, Son of Havoc. Oh, I love Cross. what he's doing now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He does get this badass shit. Yeah. But, man, he was really holding back. And it's like, dude, man, you, you can't play it safe. Safe ain't get you shit nowhere. I remember like it was yesterday. So no, I mean, the, the the right guy won at that time, and that's subjective. Everybody has their own opinion. Mm -hmm. So I'll stick to the the guy that I picked. But it turns out he couldn't make it. And here to, to to go further than that, I'm I'm real proud of all those guys and Evelise, who I told her I said you you belong in this business, and she absolutely does. Look at what she's doing in Lucha Underground. So I'm proud of the success all those people have had. And I told them then at Tough Enough, I said, Hey man, they're calling this show Tough Enough. But you're gonna really find out find out how tough tough is once you try to get in mm -hmm. to the business of pro wrestling because yeah. that's when it's really tough. You know, I was I was thinking about uh, um, uh, American Idol when you're talking about that and like okay, the the winner of American Idol is usually the person I think should win it, but they're not the person. A lot of times, it ends up being the most successful. Right. They don't have the biggest run right. after the show. But you can get an opportunity. Out yeah. Of it. And it's everybody got an opportunity out of it, and some of them made the most of it, and some of them didn't. I'm just happy that some of them are still making. You know, I'm, I'm glad there's companies like Lucha Underground out there. All the companies. Yeah. I, I wish WWE wasn't the only place. It's still the big leagues it always was. Yeah. It was a place that you and I knew that we must get to, you know, for, for the biggest run. Yeah. And you can go back to WCW, and, and well, like Hall and Nash did, and, you know, to, to get that guaranteed money. Yeah. I mean, shit, I mean, that, that was awesome. But now, in today's landscape, 
And don't get me wrong, there's guys I know, you know, Young Bucks are doing real good. A lot of guys are going back and forth to Japan. Cody Rhodes is doing pretty good. Damn right he is. Yeah. And boy, I gotta res- you, you gotta respect people like that who say, hey man, I'm gonna go do my shit elsewhere and see how the lay of the land is and thrive and not yes. only thrive, not, not I mean not only survive, but to thrive. Yeah, and it's and look, man, there there's some, there's a certain amount of fear that goes into making a decision like that. I mean, you're damn right. You, you got know, your monthly nut every year. Yeah. <laughs> and most people, their monthly nut goes up quite a bit once they've been working there a while. Right. No matter what they say. Right. I mean, there's your Steve Blackman's out there that kept his bills to 800 bucks a month as he's made. Who knows yeah. how, how much he was making? Uh, I talked to Steve Blackman the other day. How's he doing? Oh, good, man. Good. I, I bet he looks exactly the same. He Jacked does. Up and dangerous. He does. Yeah. And um, did you see the uh, the 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 bounty hunter show? Did you no. see any of that? Uh. The, the 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 trailer. You gotta watch it. It's hilarious. It's hilarious. I wish I had it. Is it a movie? No, No, he was trying to shop a show around. And I still think he should, because he's hilarious, Steve. Really? Yeah, he's so dry, man. He's very dry. Yeah. Yeah, I can understand why you might not know he's a I thought funny you were talking about John Morrison because you oh, did a movie Boone the Bounty Hunter. That was great. Did you it see was, that? Yeah, it was really good. Yeah. I think Johnny Mundo has a, a future and, and, that, and that level, if he can graduate to another right. level, more power to him. But yeah. it, it was it was kind of campy, but it was really fun. Exactly. And it didn't take itself too seriously. Yep. And there was those great uh, heroic moments in it. And the, the thing about that movie was... It actually had a had a heart to it. Yeah. And then they, you know, he was doing really good, and they got some heat on him, and he had to fire up the yeah. comeback. Dude, it was a good story. Yeah. Shout out to Johnny Mundo. Absolutely. We had him on the show right before uh, right before the movie. You had him on, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, and man, he was a great guest. He, we talked a lot about movie fights and, and things like that. But, uh, man... So I mean, he put a ton into that, and you know, he, sold he, his he house. Bet, the, bet the house legit, yeah. literally. So yeah, yeah man. For that. Yeah, for sure. All right. So in the Broken Skull call, uh, Challenge, you have like a lot of I, a lot of my friends have actually been on the show, and cross spinners, uh, lingerie football players. Is there anybody that you've seen on the show where you're like, maybe you should try like wrestling, or this might be a good fit for you? Well, I'll tell you what, really good question, and uh, I guess it's not really a secret, so I'm not really. <clears throat> say anything or speaking out of turn but Hunter McIntyre who has been very successful he's one of the number one obstacle course racers in the world it's just a lights out elite competitor he's about 6'2 I think probably right now he's probably walking almost 200 pounds but 200 pounds on him is a big 200 Mm -hmm. it's like 210 because he's, he's just so shredded but he's an elite athlete with a gas tank from hell you cannot get this kid tired and because he's so athletically inclined he's only 28 and he's super smart. He, he, I think he's gonna he's making a run for it. And I, I had heard that he went down to NXT. He talked. You know, oh, talk nice. Paul. I mean, so so he's he's gonna go down and try the system out and see what he thinks of it. There's been a few people I, I think that have passed through there that have obviously the athletic skills. Um, I, you know, I don't know about the personality, but when you talk to Hunter, because he does have such a big personality, mm-hmm. and dude, he's either heel or baby. He can he can he can go back and forth. Depending on who you know, the, the, my bracket champion is, yeah. it's amazing. So he he stands a very good chance of being successful in it. And dude, when you're talking about getting into business pro wrestling, and you're talking about success. You know, it's a crapshoot. Is he a fan? Yes. Oh, dude, is he a fan? Yeah. He has a Macho Man Randy Savage tattoo on his rib cage Get from like town. 15, 20 years ago. So yes, nice. dude, a gas tank like that. 
Do you think that's genetic or is that all hard work? I think you can be born with the genetic potential, but that kid works so hard and almost like all the athletes that come out there, they realize their genetic potential because they're working their ass off. You know, what's that What's that one, that old saying, you know, you, you can have all the, the, the physical gifts, so I'm paraphrasing, but you know, right. if, if you're not working to the most of your ability, if, if a guy is even close to you and he's working harder, the guy that's working harder is going to beat you. Mm -hmm. This guy just happens to be genetically gifted, and on top of that, he's just super smart, super competitive, will push through the pain zone and, and, and works works for it. Right. That kid don't take no time off. Wow. Are, are there any of those challenges? Because I, I saw one of them where they're almost like going head to head in like a, a mud pit or something. Is there any of those challenges where you're like, I'm just glad that I'm I'm hosting this. Like I wouldn't want to be in that in that scene. As we speak today, absolutely. Now, had I been in my early to mid twenties, I'd have been happy to get that. You're talking about trench warfare, and that's when we got it's about a forty foot long trench, and that trench is about that wide, and so you've got to get past your opponent to ring your bell not once but twice. Oh yeah, yeah. Both those bells goes on to the next round. Back in my competitive days, you know, coming out of track and field and football, playing linebacker, running back, I wasn't fast enough to run east or west. I ran north or south. So, yeah, back in the day, uh, I've been happy to get down there and, and go through the grind. But as a host, I just like to host and watch uh, these people give everything they got out there. And it's a great show. Uh, so, And while, while, while you mentioned that, uh, this season of Broken Skull Challenge premieres on Tuesday, September 26th. 10, 9 central on CMT. And this, you always like to think that the season you're filming is the most epic uh, of all time. Yeah. This one actually is. It's the best season we've ever filmed due to the, the, the guys and the girls that came out and the new challenges and the recreation of the Skullbuster. So it's going to be very exciting and I'm looking forward to seeing how it does. But yeah, I'd love to jump down there back in the day. And I wouldn't have danced or tried to swim by nobody. Right. I didn't. You watch, well, you watch what happens this year, man. I mean, dude, there's some battles down there, and not just from the guys, from the women. Mm -hmm. You talk about salty, forget about it. Steve, on, on, on the show, do you, do you all go out and, uh, and search for these contestants, or, or does the show just attract them now? You know, when we first started season one, nobody knew what it was, gonna, what it was or what it would become. Yeah. And so it's almost like, you know, the first people that came out were just normal folks and wanted to challenge and we, we got a challenge for you and then all these OCR people well CrossFit was the next yeah. one yeah. come through there a lot of CrossFitters and I love their, their their work ethic and then the obstacle course races started coming out and people from Tough Mudder Spartan all those you know, lingerie football things. players like, too a lot of lingerie yeah. football players out there and those ladies are badass because I remember what happened I think it was like the second season um, people started tagging me and I was like what's this all about and then I saw a lot of my friends who I used to play with they started on the show now. A lot of CrossFitters. I'm like, okay, this is this is legit. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're badasses for sure. TK, how come TK, you haven't put your name in the hat? Right yeah, now? I'm just uh, gonna I, say. Oh my gosh. Bring it. I put in the application like three times, so you can we can I'm we can talk, talk about it after the show. I'm ready. Yeah, I want to see what you got. Yeah, I would love to knock somebody back. But have anyways. any any of the WWE wrestlers ever asked to come and try? The challenge, or oh, you're ribbing oh. me, right? <laughs> yeah. here, no, no, I'm, I'm kidding you. Here, here, you have a group of um, man. When you're when you're in the business pro wrestling, I ain't gonna say sports entertainment. When you're a pro mm -hmm. wrestler and you're beating the shit out of your body for a living, 
the last thing you want to do on your day off is fly out on top of a mountain in a desert for me to yell motivational stuff at you <laughs> and for you to potentially uh, end up, you know, maybe causing more harm to yourself because you're already beating your body up to begin with. I appreciate you guys smarting me up about putting taking these glasses off my collar so I can look cooler. Uh, <laughs> I walked out on set one time. I gave my opening promo to the gang after getting out of my Ram Charger, and the guy walks up to me when we went to the first mm-hmm. challenge. He goes, I'll take these. Nice. I said, God dang it, man. I said, this is just force of habit. I said, you got to leave those in the show. People are going to pop on that. Hey, Billy Gunn would show up. Oh, Billy Gunn would do well. You know he'd do it, too, you know, right? You know when you shake hands? I just saw Billy at the New Japan show, the G1 show. Uh-huh. And I shook hands with him. I ain't seen Billy in all how many years. And and we always do the same handshake. It's a man's handshake. And that guy's got a a hand like a a brick. And it's like, you know, and I I got a pretty good set of mitts on me. But when you shake Billy hand, when you shake Billy Gunn's hand, it's like a come to Jesus moment. (laughs) Like, dude, lighten the hell up. Yeah, when you hug him, it's just like a big. Yeah, yeah, you're hugging this brick wall right here. Well, you went to New Japan. Are you going to be at Bola this weekend at PWG? Is it this weekend? Yeah, What's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Battle of Los Angeles. You going to come oh, to Reseda and hang out? Man. Check it out. Regal's going to be there. I have really one. You know what? Uh, we just got finished filming, so I, I might undertake uh, one evening of that because I've been wanting to check out that scene because I heard how cool the atmosphere is and everybody buys in. Yeah. And it's like, you know, shit's on. Like, oh, yeah. Anything and everything goes. So, I mean, like, I know Young Bucks will be super kicking like 30 times and stuff like that if they're on the card. Oh, but yeah. everybody just they're says, hey, man, we're all in. Go go do whatever shit's going to do. I mean, there'll be Gaga, there'll be badass spots, and there'll be death, death-defying. you got to be cool, be cool with that because I want anybody to get hurt. But, yeah, it's, it seems like it's a really cool thing to go to. Have you ever seen the clip of ACH turning into Stone Cold as he puts on the vest to fight Kenny Omega? No, I haven't seen oh, that. Oh, man, Mark, I put it in the link. We'll pull it up. But there's a, a fan wearing your vest, and ACH asked him for it. He took it off, and, you know, they battle over the vest, and then he puts it on, and he becomes you, and he starts doing your moveset, and everyone in the crowd just loses their shit. It was amazing. <laughs> dude, there's only a few moves I did. Flipping people he off them all. stomping right hand. <laughs> that's it. like my whole arsenal. What, four? four yeah, five? it's a stunner. Yeah, that's five. the magic five. I, yeah. I, that's how I had five, too, that I whittled it down to. I mean, I know you started with way more, Steve, because I used to... Yeah. Watch you back in the day before. Yeah. Wait, wait, you know, here's the thing, though. As you know, kid, trade secrets. Yeah. Less is more. Yeah. 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 I can tell you a story, and I can do it with your moves. Yeah. Well, look at Jake. Jake didn't do shit. Try to work for tell a DDT. And, and that's with respect. When you can go out there and not do, I mean, be economic with, with taking care of your body, I, that's the ultimate respect. And then you look at a guy like Flair. I mean, the same shit over and over and over again. I mean, that with respect, as he's in a hospital right now, still recovering. I've been close in contact with him, but I mean, he's the greatest to ever do it. So he had a lot of tricks that he could do. Jake, very few uh, tricks. So it it all depends on you know who you were or what you needed to get sure. what you needed to get the job done for you with respect to the character that you were. And I just I just. Um the ones that got the least reaction, I ended up kind of throwing to the side, you know? Even though I was a fan of doing the move, right. like, I just started going, hmm, am I doing this for me or for them? Well, yeah, no, but when you're smart, when you're doing something and nobody gives a shit, it's like, it's a, why do it? Yeah, it's a waste of energy, yeah. yeah. You've been very complimentary of guys outside the WWE, like Okada, Kenny just mentioned the Young Bucks. Um, what do you? What makes you still a pro wrestling fan? And what do you say to the guys, maybe from your era, that kind of condemn that style? Man, I don't. Uh, to, to go to that last part of that, 
I don't say anything to the guys that condemn it because their point of view is, and their opinion, they have earned the right to yeah. have that point of view and opinion. So I can respect what, or I can understand what they're saying. I can't say that I agree with all of it, uh, but I'm a fan just because, you know, I, I know like, like Sean and I, I, dude, you're a wrestling fan. And, yeah. and, and like to, from, from the, the first day you grabbed onto the business till we all, one of us ends up in a grave. We'll always love the business. It's just because that's that's it's one it's it's one of the things that I'm most passionate about in my life. And still, and so, yeah, I'm out of it, but I still love it. Yeah. And so to watch these these guys these days, and like, watch the Kenny Omegas and Okadas, and with respect to you know the sequences that Omega puts together in the ring, and the salesmanship of Okada, and you know Okada's pretty much a he's almost like the straight guy. You watch what he does, he's outstanding. Yeah. But he just being, you know, pretty much down the middle, very strong, good looking kid, big frame. Uh, he sticks to the he sticks to the bread and butter basics that that's the, all the he's young gotta boys, do. Yeah, that he just doesn't better yeah. than And anybody. then Omega's kinda of that X factor. He's kinda of all over the place with respect to taking the chances, a different different character mindset, uh, very crazy ways of going in and out of things that I've not seen. And video game inspired. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I don't know, you just watch it and when I think of guys like that, when when I think Kenny Omega, I just think a different kind of artist, and and like I say artist, like when I say Bret the Hitman Hart, because yeah. he was he'd paint that canvas, and he he ain't painting by numbers, he's painting by feel, and the way the business has spun up these days with the athletic style, uh, you know that they're capable of these days. Because when I watch, you know, Sean, it's, just, it's pro wrestling has evolved just like you know baseball, football, basketball. When you watch old footage, and then you see what the games, any any game that's played today, everything moves faster. And the guys yeah. are better athletes. Same with the same with the wrestling business. I still, I, I would still like to see uh, a more serious space product out of the United States because I'm into that. But I'm just a fan of the business. Do you watch it? I like to see what these kids are doing. To, 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 yeah. to really answer your question, I love to to see what these kids can come up with next. Do you uh, do you watch any ROH? No, man. I just never know what channel it's on or how to watch it. Yeah. I, I would to DVR it because. Uh, when I was filming, I you know I had a you know a satellite and a big ass TV in my trailer, so I would DVR Raw and SmackDown. And normally I was getting off work, you know, about five thirty six. So, you know, I had the same routine to cook my dinner and, and my two meals the next day on my on my grill. And so I'd go in there and put my food down and watch yeah. Raw and SmackDown. That, but that, I just don't know how to find Ring because of Honor. they're on Sinclair stations, which are which are uh, terrestrial. You know, they're not cable. They're they're uh, they're local stations. So they're they're syndicated. They're like a syndicate. Like back in the day, remember we used to do the Natty convention? You remember that? Right. Barely. That, yeah, but you know, the syndica syndication's not dead. It's okay, actually so, making a bit so of a comeback. So if I want to watch Ring of Honor, which I'd like to, where do I find it? Around I here, think, I don't know. I think you might be able to watch it on the Fight app. I'm not entirely uh, sure, but you might app. be able to. See, man, dude, when you start talking terrestrial, extraterrestrial, I don't know. Because that takes you back to E.T. You know what I mean, local station. I don't know what the F is going on. Someone <laughs> tell me how to find Ring of Honor. <laughs> I'm like I lock my gaze over here. Really, I, I'm not crazy. I've been hitting the head with a lot of steel yeah. chairs. I'm just effing with you. They're actually going to be here in Las Vegas too uh, later this month in September. Actually, who is Ring, uh, Ring of Honor? Yeah, in Vegas. Yeah, they're going to be doing uh, two tapings there, so it should be pretty. Oh, cool. I'm going to have a real good reason to go to Vegas, yeah. man. It was yeah. funny you were telling me that uh, when you showed up to New Japan, like some people were looking at you, like, "What the f is he doing here?" Well, I thought I was invading. 
Yeah. I mean, and they were like, I think they were shocked to see me because yeah. out of nowhere I come. But, you know, I wanted to see that promotion because I'm a big fan of a lot of guys yeah. on that card. And so, and, and Billy was there, so I got, I got my hand crushed. But, you know, I was like, you know, you know, when all of a sudden you go back to our days when we were in as someone from a different, let's call it a federation. Sounds the old fed, school. A different <laughs> Sounds good, don't it? Yeah. When somebody from another federation shows up, it's like, hey, man, what the hell's that guy doing here? Because that's your turf. That's your territory. Yeah. Now, in theory, they're on my turf because it's Los Angeles. Exactly. And your turf. <laughs> yeah. So, but I got the MDR section, you over here in the valley. So, but I, they were in my backyard, but uh, since they were running, I thought oh, almost like it was an invasion angle. Hey, and it turns out, I didn't know if the guys were actually happy to see me. Of course. Because I don't look at myself as Stone Cold Steve Austin. They still do. Hey, man. Sure. Freaking Stone Cold Steve Austin is here. That's pretty cool. But yeah. I took it the other way. And uh, you were mentioning to me, like, the uh, what really stood out to you uh, about the about the atmosphere behind, behind the scenes. Very competitive. Yeah. Competitive. It was serious. Guys were, and, and I ain't saying today's business and, and state system ain't serious, but it was different. It was highly competitive. It seemed like almost anything could go. And they were all spun up. And, and dude, this was a big show for them because that, that, yeah. that was live on, well, I don't know if it was pay-per-view, but it was, it was live on television. It was live so, on dude, Access, too. Live, live. Yeah. And then, so the second one was live to tape or whatever yeah. the hell it was. But, yeah, there was pressure on them to put on a good show. <coughs> they did, and they were they were caught up in that. But, dude, that locker room felt competitive. Yeah, everybody was, like, pretty focused. Oh, it does uh, It's like, hey, man, on one end, it's cool to see Stone Cold or whatever, how right I took it, but... They're focused on the task at hand. Yeah. If I shake your hand and they shake my hand, that's cool. But they had business to take care of, and that was first and foremost. And and isn't it isn't it apparent when when you actually watch the product later on that night that there's a good work. Yeah, there's a lot of good work, and I hear some of those guys that come out of the NXT system, and I was like very surprised because I'm thinking, man, like Juice Robinson, he was down there in NXT, and he that match that he had with. Uh, the British sensation guy, Zach Saber. Zach Saber Jr. I'm a huge God, fan of that dang, guy. Me too. Well, that match, boy, he was he's working in Zach Saber does like good technical stuff. Yeah. And then Juice was selling his ass off. Then he made that come. The fire. Yeah. Yeah. See, he shit. didn't show that in the in the developmental, and he came in right at the end when when NXT part was just starting and it was still FCW. Right. Going back to the tough enough question yeah. about his son of havoc, all those yeah. guys. Yeah, man, they weren't doing that shit right yeah. then at the time. So yeah, so Juice Robinson is really shelled out in New Japan. And I think, and he didn't I, have the mean streak. He didn't have that. Yeah, but he's got it now. Yeah, he does. And I think that that, that competitive atmosphere brings it out of him. Cause, dude, I mean, you know, you know the deal. You go to Japan. We really, you go anywhere. If you can't cut the mustard, yeah. they're gonna shit can you. Yeah. And so, and all of a sudden, if you if if all of your places to work are, you know, you have one or two chances, and you're, you're gonna go out there and make the most of it. And it's like, hey man, I better get my shit together, start bringing it, and 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 speed up the learning curve. Come with a lot of fire. And be technically proficient. You brought it. You brought it when you went to when you went to New Japan because I remember Mike Enos coming back and telling me that he was over there with you. Yeah, but I didn't know what he said about me. Oh man, he put you over <laughs> huge. He was like saying, he was saying like that you were going to be what you ended up being. Right. <laughs> well, I mean that's cool. Because yeah. You know, Mike Enos was really cool. I used to love the tag team tag team of him and Wayne Bloom. Yeah, they were really good. Yeah. So uh, for the uh, that's that's really cool that he said that. But when I went over to Japan, I'd heard. Hey man, if you don't watch yourself, they, 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 they're going to take liberties with you and they will beat you up. I was going to make sure that didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. And so I like hitting ropes. I was yeah. aggressive and I was still still relatively green in the business, relatively. Because when Arn and I flew over there, and what a crew that was, because it was me, Arn, Chris Benoit, Dean Malenko, Eddie Guerrero, 
uh, Ron Simmons, uh, um, God dang, not Haku, but uh, Barbarian, Barbarian, Barbie, mm -hmm. and one or two other guys. And it turns out, Rick Rude wasn't there. No, Arn Arn Anderson and I were working our first match here. Dude, we drank the whole way from the states over yeah. in Japan. We stunk the joint out. But all <laughs> you know, because we were expecting to work with a Japanese guy. Yeah, you know, because that's how it works. We go over and wrestle each other. We wrestle each other all over the United States. Yeah. All of a sudden, me and Arn look on the cards like, what the f? So did you do the same match you would have done in the States? Kind of. Arn was leading that match, and he, he I think he got over a little bit better because he was an established veteran. Yeah. He knew how to get over and, you know, dude, Arn's a great worker. And he had to take care of business. And, and we, we had a match, but Arn took care of himself, yeah. smartly so. Uh, but I wasn't going to get chewed up over there. Uh, the third night of that tour is when I was going to do a splash on a Japanese wrestler. He moved, and I landed the wrong way and tore my right tricep off my elbow. Is that why you couldn't knock Booker T out when you... Yeah, but, yeah because it all <laughs> grew together the wrong way. Yeah. But anyway, so after that, they started uh, putting me in uh, some tag matches and some six-man tags, so I would have to do less action in the ring. Yeah, because, dude, when you first break into business, it's about 92. I've been in the business for almost three years. Yeah. So you work hard. A torn tricep, you still go to the ring and yeah. work. Blown out knee, you still go to the ring and you do your work, especially in Japan. You just don't fly home. That's not the way the business worked back then. Well, I mean, some guys did fly home, but guess what? They didn't come back either. Right, right. But you, it was tough. Yeah. And, and the business is still tough, but this is still back in the Stone Ages. So anyway, uh, I'll, I'll never forget it. We did a six-man tag match. It was myself, Arn Anderson, and Ron Simmons. And how well do you know Ron? Uh, very well. Yeah. You talk about a bad dude. Yeah. Nicest guy in the world. Funniest guy in the world. And you talk about a badass. No you doubt. Two-time All-American at Florida State, maybe three, whatever. But He's uh, a god in Tallahassee. Me, me Arn, and, and Ron were working six-mans. And you know how, like I just told you, Arn is the king of the locker room. Talking about a monitor. All of a sudden, you know, me and Arn were taking care of business in the ring. But all of a sudden, Ron would tag in. And dude, he'd start winging those Japanese guys around, and like, holy shit! Yeah, we almost felt bad for him. And then Arn just looks over, and gives me the elbows. He's like, God damn, Og. <laughs> like, he's no, no Japanese guys didn't have yeah. a chance. I used to work with Ron every night for a while when him and Bradshaw were together. It was Kane and I. So guess who got their ass beat every night in those matches? <laughs> no, but he did, he gave a gentle ass. Yeah, it was great. But it my was point amazing. is how explosive and quick he was. One time we was, was working a match. It was a tag match in Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. The hottest building I've ever worked in my life. It was a tag or, or six man, but I was out there. Uh, Ron was out there. Larry Zabisco was out there. Rude was out there. Sting yeah. was out there. There's one other guy. And and Rude and Sting had been working a program. So I had a bunch of pre-programmed spots already built into their repertoire. Gotcha. And so, man, they were out there. They, they lit the place up. I went out there with so-and-so. We, we did some stuff. Then all of a sudden... Larry Zabisco, who I love, uh, goes out there with Ron Simmons <laughs> and promptly grabs a headlock on Ron and just squats. <laughs> he didn't call shit for Ron. Oh, no. And Ron was livid. The match was uh, over 15, 20 minutes later. He'll go to the dressing room, and Ron was throwing shit around. He goes, shit, ain't going to be no next time. I'm going to get my shit in. And I'm like... You damn right damn you were. Right I said, dude, I'm over here. Remember, I was on the other team. Yeah. We didn't even get the ring together. So yeah, yeah, he was mad as a hornet. I, he, I mean, it's hilarious looking back. He could have moved. He could he could have moved Larry Zabisco around that ring anytime he wanted to. I oh, seen yeah. him take Matt Bloom, 360 pounds, when he was my, yeah. one of my partners, and one hand press him like that over his head and do that. We called it the fu slam. Boom. Yeah. 
Amazing, man. Oh, dude, the most know. explosively powerful man I've ever been in the ring with. And I've been in the ring with Mark Henry. Yeah. It's just a different kind of explosive, you know, the power. Dude, you go back to one of my favorite tag teams was him and Bush Reed is doing. Great. Yep. You talk about the god dang those two jacked up guys walked to the ring. You talk about intimidation. Yeah. What a great name. Doom. Even with the cheesy Carlton and Hildegard masks, they were still uh, here's vicious the thing. looking. Uh, here's the thing me and Ryan used to always laugh about. You remember when, uh, what, what was that name they called him when they put him in the light blue thing with the, oh. the gladiator? Yeah, no, but it was a. Uh, they just called him Farouk. Farouk. Was, it, was it Farouk? Yeah, and he kept the name it even later the, on. But he had that blue skull yeah. helmet on. Yeah, when yeah. he came out and kicked on it. And Johnson. dude, everybody, when he put that mask on, it was the silliest looking thing you'd ever seen. And I, I came up to Ron. I, yeah, said, man. I said, Ron, I said, you are the only man in this locker room that could wear that, 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 that <laughs> no silly one. helmet and get away with it. And here's the thing. As silly looking as it was, not one single guy on that crew said shit to Ron yeah. about how silly it looked. And Ron knew it looked silly. <laughs> and he wouldn't have done nothing. But nobody was going to F with Ron about yeah. wearing that damn skull. We called it a skull helmet. Nice. Yeah. It looked like the man, man at arms from the He Man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, in previous interviews, you've talked about their whole acting career, and it's just kind of you know one of those things that you've been blessed with, but you know you're not necessarily about it. Now, one of your, uh, I would assume, one of your close friends, The Rock, is one of the highest paying actors currently in Hollywood. If he were to create a role for you, would you memorize those lines and do that movie? Well, I don't know. You know, that's a big if. I mean, what 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 an opportunity. Uh, man, I'm so proud of The Rock, everything that he's done. It's, it's, I don't like to memorize anything. Uh, so what I consider, yes. But, you know, Rock has went down that road, and he's he's thriving in that, in that role, or, or down that road. I mean, he's, he's dude, he owns the movie business. He owns the HBO business. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess he's got a YouTube thing. I haven't seen that, but I've seen you know, all of his movies. I mean, dude, he's known around the world as the biggest movie star in the world. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, props out to him. It's not the road I wanted to go down, but he's blazing a path. I mean, he dude, he, you know, he's, he's like Sly. He's like he's like Sly. He's like Schwarzenegger. I won't be passing a Willis. He's a larger than life personality. Yeah. I mean, but he's the Rock, and so he is. He's transcended everything into a whole nother. He's taken what those guys did. It's like the guys that paved the way for us in the wrestling business. Yeah. Those guys paved the way for him, and now he's that guy. That you know, who will be the next blockbuster that comes in his wake whenever he decides to leave? Are you surprised by any of it? Not really. When you see how dynamic, charismatic he was, uh, as he you know he carried himself business. and everything. Well, right? but he but he, he had plans and he had a vision outside yeah. of wrestling. It laughing to him, you know, he's like second or third generation, and so he's brought up in the business and came up, you know, for a while dirt poor and you know got in some trouble. Yeah. And I'll never forget, we were coming home from a run, and I can't remember where we were, and I was having a drink, he wasn't, and uh, we were just standing there talking, and me and Rock were good friends. And we, we don't talk to each other every day, but if we saw each other tomorrow, I mean, dude, we'd be, be best friends. Absolutely. Just like, like we'd never missed a beat. But uh, I said, man, where are you headed? You head back to uh, Florida? He goes, no, I'm uh, going out to L.A. I said, man, what you doing in L.A.? Because West Coast is over here, you know, Miami, Florida's that that away and, and this is on a day off. Hey man, he was out here, you know, you know, getting his getting his hands in, you know, putting his toe in the water and you know, he had some inroads I guess from what the mummy or whatever it was. Yeah. 
But that's when you know he dude. This is a long time ago. Yeah, I, yeah. So, now that you met, now that you mentioned yeah, that, I, okay, you're so, bringing us back a ways. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no, dude. He had he had a vision way back yeah. then and followed through with it. And if you know anything about the Rock, you know he's a very goal oriented person. And then one thing spun into another, and then you know start. You know, I created Seven Bucks Productions and all the blockbusters and all the great parts. I mean, dude, when you're when you're when you're looking for the biggest action star in the world. He's the first guy that you go to, yeah. and there, there's some other guys, and they're good guys, but he's he's the number one guy. So it does not surprise me. I just want to figure out where he, I, like, his the way he manages his his time. I can't I can't understand how like a person can have all these different things going on, and and you know I mean, oh, Jesus Christ, it's 24 hours in a day. Yeah, yeah, he has a crazy schedule, <clears throat> and then look at the way he keeps in shape. I mean, I think he gets up at three or four in the morning to make sure he gets his swell in. Yeah. And then goes and does his business. But I, yeah, uh, how he maintains that pace. And then I was in the business uh, probably a little bit longer than him. And then when I came out of the business, yeah, my, my sights were not set on that. But after three years of, you know, I, I used to live in a gated community in San Antonio where all the Spurs and George Strait lived. And I woke up after three years of being out of the business. And I was, dude, I left, I was only 38. And I was a tough yeah. pill to swallow. And finally I said, Dude, you can only hunt, fish, and drink, and raise hell so much. You need to get your ass out to Los Angeles and sure. rustle some shit up. <laughs> well, I mean, it wasn't that I much come out here. But my vision wasn't the same as The Rocks. He always he he, he saw himself as being in the movies and, and a bigger stage. You know, I, I saw wrestling as being the, for for me personally yeah. the 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 ultimate stage and the biggest stage that I wanted to be on. I just knew that once that stage ended, I needed to, to do something to be productive and fulfill some of my other passions and so I stayed in the business that I, I I'm in a business now that I'm in but yeah I just don't I'm not a big fan of the memorization process but yeah you'd have to consider something like that you'd be dumb just if you did but, but Steve I would be dumb if I did yeah. Steve the thing is though if I were you I would be pretty happy with the with uh, your body at work movie oh, wise yeah. because um, uh, Longest Yard sorry I, mm -hmm. uh, Longest Yard uh, I thought you were great in that. I thought Condemned was excellent. I thought that was a hell of an action movie. It was. It actually was. Yeah. When I watched, when I looked, when I saw The Longest Yard back, I was mad because I could have toned it <clears> down. To those few scenes I had with Kevin Nash, I was yelling at the top of my voice, and I was like, "Man, why didn't the director call me and said, Steve, that's at a, a level ten of intensity. Why don't you try a level two or three? You know, but you know, and direct me a little bit, and, and dude, I'm not, I'm not faulting the guy, but I mean, I was just a, a guy. When they, when they fulfilled those second tier roles, yeah, you know, all those the ones like me, uh, Goldberg, Nash, uh, Bob Sapp, those guys, sure, I and, and Michael Irvin, those guys, and then Terry Crews has blown up. Mm -hmm. But those were just those kind of roles. But so they kind of just treated us, well, us wrestlers anyway, like like the wrestlers, and didn't yeah. really direct us. So I wasn't happy with the performance in that for, but for the condemned to be in my first, you know, movie, I was pretty happy with that. But you know, and anyway, I started. I got a chance to host Tough Enough, and once I got a host, once I got a taste of hosting, that kind of stuff, I was like, dude, I got to memorize shit. I know what's going <laughs> yeah. on. I, I'm telling you what to do. This is my world. Well, so, oh, sorry. Well, speaking of memorizing lines and stuff like that, what is your what are your thoughts on scripted promos, and do you think that it can limit a potential superstar? I, I think it can limit it, but I also think it can spark it, and 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 someone who maybe doesn't have confidence in themselves, if someone can write the right words for them to say to, to put them on a track, 
and then for them to gain some confidence and then to proceed accordingly by learning their own style. But I'm a fan where here's a system that I, I came up in and probably maybe you did too, Sean. But all of a sudden I would be down there in the USWA in Dallas, Texas, and I was working a feud and I angled with Chris Adams where I started off as a baby face and I went to Tennessee and star for two months and Jerry Jarrett, the owner of the promotion, said, hey, we're going to send you back to Dallas. And I said, man, well, you're firing me? He goes, no, we're not firing you. We're going to work an angle with you and Chris. You know, I was, I was yeah. the cocky guy that after going to the wrestling academy, after two months of being out in Tennessee, you know, I was all this. Sure. And so I had, all, I had everything figured out. I was this uh, experienced, savvy wrestler all of a sudden. It, it, so anyway, I started that feud, and all of a sudden I started doing those promos. It's like... Man, someone sticks a microphone in your face and you don't know where to shit or wind your wash, but you just, you know, spray out some words and you're yelling, you're saying brother too much. Because all, all of on the catchphrases, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you make a lot of mistakes. And then your, 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 your voice is too high. You haven't settled into, you know, talking from your diaphragm because you're so nervous you're talking from here. There's a lot of shit you learn, but you got to go through those beats and the, that process. So I think the way I learned, and then all of a sudden, along those lines, when in Dothan, Alabama, we were at a television tape, and, and here comes Brian Pillman up to me, and he goes, hey, kid, we've got to come up with a finish move. We're a tag team. I said, dude, what the heck are you talking about? I'm fixing to do a United States title run with Harley Race. And, uh, really? Yes. Dude, I was mad as a hornet. Wow. He goes, yeah. Brian says, go talk to Dusty. Went over and talked to Dusty, and that was what was going to go on. So my point is, there we are in promos. Well, Brian Pillman was a lights-out guy from the word go, and his promos would only get better. We would ride down the road, and he was reading vocabulary books, you know, all kinds of stuff to increase, you know, his knowledge and command of the English language, and he would put his thoughts together, and all of a sudden, they'd stick the microphone from Brian face and the mind I'm like well I gotta follow that yeah, <laughs> so that's kind of like an impetus to like hey man yeah. you better get to your shit straight this guy's gonna blow you out of the water so I, I learned they, you, you better start learning how to do this and then when I got a chance to work with Paulie and ECW and he gave he, he was he able he was able to harness me and point me in the laser, as a laser beam of how to convey my message and the way I wanted to and, and out of who and what I was. And at that time, there's a lot of frustration. So scripted promos can be good if, they're, if it's a good scripted promo that someone can deliver like it's a shoot that they believe. But I'm just a fan of, hey, you go out there. If you and me work the program, you, you go out there and say something. Let me follow it up. Because I'm either going to sink or I'm going to swim. And after sinking so many times, I'm going to start learning how to tread. Then I'll learn how to swim. Yeah. And then, boy, I'm backstroking then. And that's how I learn. And once you get organic and you have that ingrained into you, you can never lose your space. You can never lose a crowd. You can never lose a promo just because you've been there, you've done that, and you've come out of, you know, uh, the Titanic and you've resurrected it and you're afloat and nothing can sink you. So, um, okay, when you're when you're doing uh, like a promo, just you know, you and the camera, or you just talk. But like, if you're doing a a face to face with somebody, like like uh, Cena and, and Reigns the other night, did you see that? I missed it. I heard That's it. Great. Good. Wow. But man, he Cena ate his lunch. That's what I heard. Yeah, for sure. 
Yeah, I was going to ask you if you saw that. No, you no man, uh, I got a few calls telling me to watch it. Yeah. Was and it that strong? It was strong, yeah. It, it was, but was it intended to be that strong, or did it spin I, that strong? I think it just ended up that way. Hey, man, did you talk about a lesson learned? Because you, you could see the gears spinning, like in the eyes. Like on, but here's know. the thing. That's an education you can never forget, yeah. and it would be ingrained, you know, if, if that was the case. I know I've yet to watch it. But if that was the case, boy, that's, that is a real moment where you're like, okay, i got to get together here. Yeah. yeah, and you saw because I think Reigns took a mo- you, you saw he said and we're one, and then he went to the second one, and it's just like he blanked, and it was it was. But when that when Cena said, "Okay, think, go ahead and think about it," think yeah, because yeah. you're not ready yet, and because I heard about parts of the promo, mm-hmm. so I was like, "Boy, all of a sudden you get you get called out like that and put on the spot, man." I was waiting for him to throw a life raft. Here you go. Hang on, let me blow this thing up. <laughs> but I mean, you know what? I I feel for him, man, because that must have been a terrible spot to be oh, in. But I bet you don't let it happen again. Well, I hope you don't. Yeah, I mean, but you know, here's the thing. I I don't think there's any malicious intent on the part of John Cena. And who, who knows? I mean, as we're sitting here talking about it, it I might have been that way. Yeah, but but still, I mean, one better one guy than two guys, right? Dude, he's got to look yeah, 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 yeah. Somebody's got to carry that thing. Yeah. But I, like I said, man, anytime, anytime you go out to the ring and you didn't learn something new, you probably missed an opportunity. Because I don't care how good you are, you can always get better. And so, you know, if, if Roman learned something from that and he can <laughs> capitalize on it and gain and improve for the future, yeah. you know, props to him. Because like I said, people ask me on my podcast, hey, man, is he over or is he not over? He is over. Can Hell he yeah, be he more is. over? Yes, he can be more over. Can he be better in the ring? Yes. Can he be much better on promos? Yes. So yeah, there's light years to improve. This was a lesson. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I still and I'm still down with that, with you know with uh, with their you know plans for for him. I, I I think he's worth investing in. Hey man, yes, I agree with you. And here's the thing, dude. Just think because people ask me this on my podcast, what if he would have been around in the Attitude Era? Shit. Boy, you talk about a locker room to learn <laughs> yeah. from. I mean, yeah. everybody had a knife. Yeah. I mean, I didn't mean this in a malicious way, Sean, but I mean, dude, if you wasn't going to get over, you better get the F out of the way That's because right. I'm going to move you out of the way because I'm going yeah. for the top. And so, I mean, it was a different environment. I'm not saying that locker room is not competitive because it is. There's, there's a bunch of alpha males in there. But our that triple Paul was doing yeah. beauty, and me goes – Everybody always thinks that their generation was better than the generation before, you know? Right. But that's how competitive it was back. And, and what, dude, when you look at the locker room that was the Attitude Era... Was it the same feeling there, when you first got there? As I mean, was it kind it of the changed. same? It, it changed. But, dude, when, when everybody was coming up, when you look at DX, when you look at Rock, when yeah. you look at me, when you look at Mankind, Undertaker, Kane, I, I can't name the whole locker room. Sure. But... That's a bunch of alpha males, and dude, you know how competitive it was back in. Of course, yeah. yeah. So yeah, if, 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 would, would he fit in back in? Yeah, and you had some guys that were anywhere anywhere from eight to twelve plus years in the business that could give the kid advice. These days, with with the exception of uh, a Cena or Orton or like a Kane or you mm-hmm. know some guys like that who have a, a lot of years behind them to disperse a lot of advice, and you know. It's one thing when you ask advice from a guy, and, and this is with respect to all those guys, that's been in a business 12 years, it's another difference. It's a different uh, feeling to, okay, if I ask a guy who's been in the business 12 years, but then I ask a guy like Brett the Hitman Hart, who's in the business 20, who do you think is probably gonna have a pretty good 
read on some better advice. Yeah, and then you're going by what they've actually done in those years. Yeah, go go to the, yeah. go to the highest level, go to the deepest resource, and, and guys who did it in different fashions and ask advice from those people. Oh, you, why would you ask a guy who was a 15-year survivor, hey, man, what did you think about this? Well, who gives a shit what he thinks? <laughs> he just survived 15 years. It doesn't mean he really knows anything. Yeah. <laughs> Always go to the highest source. Well, you spoke about Paul Heyman working with him. If you were to come back and form your own dangerous alliance with you playing Paul Heyman's role, who would you put in your faction? Jesus Christ, how many people was that? Five? Six? Rude, Zabisco, Medusa, Art Anderson, and Bobby. you? Uh, Bobby, yeah. Yeah. You've got Bobby. Oh, Bobby's the best workout of the group. Damn right he uh, is. <laughs> uh, golly, man, I wouldn't even know where to begin. Uh, like I said, I was DVR the show out there at the Broken Skull Challenge. Right now, I was uh, I was happy Sean gave me a call to be on the show. I, I tell everybody, we just filmed we just finished filming four days ago. I, I'm still coming down from that show. I I, I I took a picture this morning, and my damn neck, my head, and my face, and my arms and my legs. I got I, I could win a farmer's tan. Your neck right red, now. Steve. <laughs> no, it's not red. It's crimson. I looked up crimson. I saved it on my phone. Uh, crimson is, is 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 almost purple, and I'm wearing I don't know how many layers of sunblock, and I'm wearing a baseball hat, and my head is sunburned, and I've got a cap on top yeah. of it. I feel like a piece of bacon that's been in a frying pan. So I can't really comprise the list of of who my dangerous lights would be at this time. Would would to 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 do it in in a right fashion would give it a lot of thought. Okay. To change gears, last time you were at AfterBuzz, you were hanging out with Little Egypt doing the Glow Rap. Did you watch Glow this season, and what were your thoughts? I haven't seen it. I heard it was pretty good. Damn good. Okay. You saw it? Yeah, it's okay, damn good. I'll check it out. But no, I was a huge fan of it back in the day. Of course, I, that's why I enjoyed talking with Little Egypt so much. But, man, I was a huge fan. I mean, dude, those girls paid a lot of dues. They did. You know, they, they, they paid the road for, for guys like us because I watched those those ladies, those girls, uh, you know, Every what was all around what, two or three seasons. Yeah. It seems like it lasted longer than that. But I, I dude, I watched every single episode there was. I'm a huge fan. I have not seen it. What's on Netflix? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I will though. <laughs> and and and, uh, and then, on that end, Angelina Little Egypt, Little Egypt has uh, sent me several text messages and called me, and you know, been giving me reminders. So I, I will watch it. Glow like the 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 Glow series, the original one, like. Um, a lot of that stuff, like the behind-the-scenes, like uh, vignettes, and and you know the, you know the him in the phone booth, like that. That was his office, you know, and and just like a lot of that stuff was picked up. Like I mean, we ended up and, and even yeah. the gimmicks, shit. That's early. That's early uh, ninety, early to mid nineties WWE gimmicks that yeah. Chloe was doing. Yeah, you know? I, they, they they were. Dude, I'm a fan. That's yeah, the, I, I mean, say. they weren't technically very good. That, I, I wasn't a fan when I was a kid um, of the actual watching the matches because the matches were bad, uh, and uh, compared to the, the the stuff I would see on other shows. But like, you could tell they were, you know, like somebody was telling them the right things to do. Yeah, but it's I forgot, just man, who's that Russian chick who used to throttle everybody? Nanichka? Yeah! Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She was cool. <laughs> yeah. And she bet my hair kind of hot. Yeah, yeah. And she was just throwing beatdowns on people. And, uh, I mean, the little Egypt could sell her ass off. I mean, Jesus Christ. And then uh, Tina Ferrari. Yeah. You know, I, I agree. agree. I was a huge yeah. Tina Ferrari fan. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. I dug it. Yeah, it was great. 
So, uh, going back to your match at WrestleMania 13 with Bret Hart, was the plan always to for there to be a double turn, and was there any hesitation from Vince McMahon for that? No, hell, it was Vince's idea. And I'll never forget, man, we went to the finish room. This, this is Chicago, Rosemount Rise, my favorite building to work in. And Chicago has these rabid fans. Yeah. They're crazy. I love them. And so, you know, I was getting hot as a baby, but I was a heel. And, like, when I'd come out of the match, a lot of times Brian was in the territory at that time filming. And he'd go, GD, kid, you're a baby face. And I'd say, F you, dude, I'm a heel. Because you took being a heel or baby serious. Yeah, yeah. You were, you know, you, you did that's almost like calling you a name. Right. Calling you a baby face. Cause you just, cause you're getting more cheers than the baby face you're working with. And so that being said, and like we were talking about superstar Billy Graham uh, earlier. So there, and, and Brett had been around a long time. He was kind of starting to bitch a little bit and piss and moan. And Vince saw the opportunity to organically flip both of us. Mm -hmm. And yes, that was the goal of that match was to do a double turn. And so we went in there and it was just myself, Brett and Vince. And he laid down the finish. And Brett says, okay, you know, he's going over. You know? Yeah. And I, I was going under, and I, you know, I was fine with that, but I was just thinking, okay, we'll just pass out, because I was just, just passing out was the finish. And the sharpshooter, and Sham, Shamrock did a great job being a star attraction uh, from another sport, the toughest guy in the world, yeah. and he did a premier job. So he added a lot, he added a lot to that match. And me and Brett, Brett would tell a tremendous story, and then – I walked back out to the arena, me and Brett were talking, and I wasn't feeling that finish. And I walked back in, and I, uh, I wouldn't go complain about the finish. I was just talking to the old man. And you gotta remember, you know, Vince just turned 72 the other day. That's right, yeah. That was 17 years ago, so he was in his uh, late 50s, 40s, yeah, whatever. Or early, yeah, give, give or take. Something. But I mean, you know, he's really, really vital. You yeah. know, he was just energized and, you know, had a vision for the business, still does. But back then, I mean, he was like very involved. And I was like, Vince, I said, man, I said, you think it's you really think it's finishing work? He goes, Oh god damn, Steve. Trust me, it'll work. Yeah. And when he said that, I said, All right, you got it. So I walked back out to the ring. And it's in his book, so I'm not spelling any beans, trade secrets. But Brett looks at me and we're just kind of looking around the ring, just 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 thinking and putting shit together. And he goes, You know what, Steve? He goes, if you're gonna pass out in a sharpshooter, he goes, you really ought to have color. And I said, You think? He goes, yeah. And I said, man, I said, you know, I didn't have no stroke at the time. And he goes, long story short, he goes, if you're, if you're, if you're worried about it, I'll do it. Yeah. I'll get it. I said, okay. So anyway, we added that little uh, addition to the match. That was the finish. The goal was to do a double turn. And when I should can him out and I go hit that guardrail, that's where all the, the action happens from that standpoint. And boy, Chicago was kind of becoming a stronghold for me to begin with, and then, then that night really cemented it. And when, dude, when I picked my head up at one time and that crowd saw that I had a good one going, I mean, they just came. And I remember when I was laying there in that sharpshooter and I pushed out a bridge that first time, I could feel that blood coming down my face through my teeth. I was like, God dang, this is cool. Gosh, <laughs> and then, yeah. and then I, I, I bridged up one more time and couldn't make it out. And then, you know, then Shamrock and Brett did what they did. Yeah. Dude, I'll never forget laying there. And that ring was a mess. I mean, it was a mess. And Taker and Sid had to follow that. And you can't follow something like no that. No way. It was like when me and me There and was Kane, no buffer match in between no, that? No, no. And it was like when me and uh, Mick. Yeah. Uh, it was like when me and Kane had to follow 
Undertaker and Mick from Hell in a Cell. Gotcha. You can't follow that. Yeah. So, but just laying there in that pool of blood, it was like, I've said this before, but it was the coolest feeling in the world knowing that you executed a double turn of the highest level at the highest magnitude that you can. And dude, really, you know, your whole your whole roster is dependent, you know, counting on that because the more successful that turn is, the more money everybody's going to be making because we're working yeah. on drawing houses. So it was awesome. It was awesome. That was the plan, and we added one ingredient to it. And the old man wasn't wasn't mad, and and we never spoke about it. It was never spoken about. Really, not no never. no, just like a little bit of a hey, here's a fine, dude. Or like, and then Vince we'll give it back to you. Money. Vince is like a shark. Yeah. And he smelled that that, that that blood was like money. And he was like, oh, shit, man, that works so good, I ain't going to say shit. I mean, I, I, I'm paraphrasing, and yeah. I'm only, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but he never called me inside, and he goes, hey, what happened? As far sure. as I was concerned, I hit my head on a barricade. Exactly. And Brett was the best at that. Like, nobody else even tried to get away with doing that, and Brett could, and, and – uh, you could never catch him doing it. That's the thing. Ever. Ever, no. And a you know master. who got away with that? I had Medusa on the show, and she tried to act like she didn't remember, but she totally did. She was working with uh, uh, Bull Nakano when we were at a tour in Japan, and uh, she, Bull hit her with the nunchucks, and she came up just gushing. Oh, it was a hard way, yeah. Yeah, it was a hard way, though. <laughs> of course it was. Yeah. Everything's a hard way. So you retired at 38, and I, I feel like um, people who've been in athletics for a long period of time, like, you know, playing football and wrestling, etc., it takes a moment for you to realize that you're finally retired because you always just think of yourself as an athlete. Did you stop watching wrestling for a moment before, you know, you kind of realized this is, I'm not going to come back? Or did you just continue watching wrestling and realizing this is, this is it for me? Oh, I had to stop because it was too painful to watch because, man, I, I don't live in the past. And, you know, I was 38 when I left. It was painful. That is a bitter pill to swallow when you're forced out of, into any athlete doing anything or mm -hmm. anybody doing anything that, that you're forced away from. It's like, oh, it's so hard. And I, I didn't have an exit strategy. I, 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 my goal in life was to be a pro wrestler, and then I was one, and then I was really hot, and then all of a sudden I wasn't. And that's why, you know, for, for three years, hunting, fishing, drinking, and raising hell was, was what I did to come to grips with being out of the business. And hell, I, I watched that, that pile driver from uh, Meadowlands Arena. I probably watched that, man, I don't know, a couple hundred times. I was like, dude, okay, yeah. this is the reason. And then, dude, I don't, I don't live in the past, and I, and I don't even think about it. But I, I needed to know that there was a reason that I was – leaving the business that I loved and, and that was a reason not because I wanted to but and it, it helped me come to grips with things to say like okay here's what you did to yourself here's what you did to yourself that's why you're out so there was a lot of that shit and I, I got over it so how many years did it take for you to like actually watch wrestling again again you know what I can't remember I've been watching now so long uh, and, there, and there's periods uh, it was about a year ago I wasn't real happy with the, the, the booking so I kind of stopped watching but then you know the women's movement brought me back uh, hey man, I think the May Young Classic started yeah, yesterday. That's yeah. right. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I, was, me too. I was in my trailer the other day watching um, uh, Cord Graves and Lita, who's really done a great job of becoming uh, a person behind that microphone. Yeah. So I'm, I was watching that, and they were introducing a lot of the, mm -hmm. the girls from the around brackets. the uh, country that I, yeah, the bracketology that I had never heard of. And so now I'm looking forward to watching the May Young Classic. Uh, but it, it, part, of the, part of me coming back into Sasha Banks and Bailey, it was just recently, some of those outstanding matches, the women's movement was a big part of it. 
Well, throughout the years, you know, we always heard rumors that, oh, you were going to come back, you were going to come back. Was there ever a point where you were close to coming back for that one last match? No, no, there wasn't. They, you know, they would, uh, you know, for the, uh, when I first got out of the business, they would always hit me with something. Hey, man, do you feel like Russell Hogan? Do you feel like doing this? Do you feel like Russell Hogan? Or do you feel like Russell Hogan? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, man, at the time, I was like, yeah. I like where you were, Sean, but man, I was so competitive. I was like, man, sh you know, hey, I just thought there was, I thought there was a styles clash, no pun intended. Got gotcha. you. Uh, and I just didn't see it being uh, on on paper. It's a great matchup, but in and the match playing out, you know, I thought I could still go, uh, probably more so than Hogan at the time, who I have tremendous respect for. But then you're going to talk finishes. I ain't going under. No doubt. <laughs> he ain't going under. So, you know what? And let's leave well enough alone. I felt like I'd operated at a high level, and I didn't want to compromise. I, I don't even think of legacy. Right. I don't say I wouldn't want to ruin my legacy. It was just like, you know, I did it at a real real good level. I don't want to come back and be 85% of Stone Cold and, or just for the novelty factor. And like I'm telling you, hell, it took three years to get that damn business mm -hmm. out of my system. All of a sudden, man, I'm going to get hooked again. Yeah. You know, I don't want to get hooked again. I'm off. Yeah. So um, another thing with athletes, um, what they do, the, the, the theory behind it is if you played uh, um, athletics in high school, you think that you're an athlete for like five years. College, it's, you know, another 10 years. If you're a pro athlete, you always think that you're an athlete. So when you're working out, do you look at certain people and you're like, I could probably take them, but they're lucky that, you know, I'm at the stage I am right now? Or is it just kind of like, you know, I'm just comfortable with where I, where I am? 99% I'm just comfortable with where, I, with where I am. But, yeah, there are all those moments like, shh, kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I, I always believe I was, a, I was a professional wrestler, but when I was a professional wrestler, I considered myself a pro athlete. Yeah, oh, hell yeah. Alone. yeah. Yeah, yeah man. absolutely crazy. You yeah. had a hell of a gas tank on you, too, speaking of gas tanks a little while ago. I know, but, you know, and what we do... You know, being very competitive, yeah. you know, yeah, outcomes determined, but in, in, in every way, shape, form, or fashion, due to how I'm training, doing the way I'm performing, I, I am a professional athlete. Hey, Steve, how's Rick doing? Man, I heard he was doing good. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'll just say I talked to him yesterday. Yeah. You talked to him? Yeah, on the phone. Nice. Man, he was laughing, and... Uh, He's, he's got a ways to go, and I, yeah. I, I will elaborate no further. No, no. Yeah, because yeah, I don't want to drop anything. Of course. And, and, I, and I don't really know the, the whole nine yards. The papers probably have everything more out there than I do, but all I can say is that I had a great conversation with him for about five minutes, and we were both laughing. That's what I was wondering. Yeah. 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 Nice. That's yeah. that. That's all you need to know. And man, I was, yeah. uh, he was in a real bad way there for a while, and he's still got a ways to go. But, you know, when people always ask me, who's the toughest, toughest guys in the business? And normally when they ask that question, they're talking about who's the toughest Who could as far beat as somebody's ass, yeah. I always put Ric Flair in that conversation because yes. Rick didn't fight. Rick didn't like to fight. He didn't want to fight. He's not a fighter. But I put him in my toughest guy uh, category because that always getting thrown off that top turn a yeah. couple times a night, taking their suplex, going down the apron, getting clotheslined off, all the backdrops, all the bullshit, you know, through the ropes, to the floor, Jesus Christ, I mean, you know, it, it's, it's, it's my highest compliment to say he's tougher than a cockroach. Yes, for sure. And so, yeah, you know, like I just people, know so people get mad about, hey, you said Flair's tougher than a cockroach. I mean that as a good way. Yeah. I just know the things I've hit him with here and there in matches, yeah. and he never complained once. And I can only imagine 
going from town to territory to territory. Some of the crowbars and guys that were th throwing some world-class spuds at him, and every night he took it. But dude, go down south to WCW. Look at the well, NWA, whatever it was. Yeah. Dude, I mean, he jump-start Flair. I mean, he jump-started Sting's Stinger. career. He jump-started Luger's career. Yeah. Were they around before him? Yeah. He's the one that lit him up, got him over. That's right. And gave him the jetpack to yeah. proceed accordingly. He he came to Florida and got and got Lex over just on you know a couple little shots down there. Right. Yeah. So you know some people you know everybody sometimes want to say, ah, hey, well if you seen one Flair match, you seen them all. Well, if you seen one Stone Cold match, you seen them all. Or if you seen one Brett match, you seen them all. I mean, you bring what you bring to the that's table. Right. That's your story, and you're going to work it. You know, or that that's your style. There's only so many moves you have in your style. So yeah. So you could you could argue that point, but those that do, like, you're full of shit. Right. That some bitches are greatest to ever do it. That's right. And yes. who would, who would you say is the toughest woman in your in your list? Oh man, Deuce is up there. She's right up there. Shoot, Medusa. Everybody, all the boys respected Deuce, and you're going way back in the day. Where it was totally male dominated. And, and don't get me wrong, this is you know fabulous Moolah, May Young. I mean, those were tough, you know, ladies back in the day. But but I wasn't around then, so. But hands down, all of the all of the guys in the locker room respected Deuce first because they knew she she could go, yeah, and she could work her ass off. They knew she was tough, and she was just cool, That's and right. she was smart. Yeah, and she didn't sell a rib. No, nope, didn't sell a rib. <laughs> Not at all. I mean, she 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 was like, she was she was a beautiful lady, but she was yes, one of the boys. Was. Yeah, still is. Couldn't agree more. Were you upset that you never got to work the program with Doctor Death because of the brawl for all situation? No, that would have been interesting to work with Doc because I was such a fan. You know, he was down in Mid South, and you know his run, you know, as an amateur wrestler. But no, it was it was cool, man. I was so uh, entrenched in whatever I was doing. I know that was kind of a. You know, I don't think they invented that to set him up for me. They invented that just to to hopefully get him over. Yeah, and then maybe he could work with me. Uh, you know, he was lights out over in all Japan. Those dudes were mega over. Sure. I, but, you know, dude, you go back to Furnace and, uh, and Crawford. God dang, what a tag team over in Japan. Yeah. Over in the States, it, it wasn't the same. That's why I, I'm not feeling it, thinking about, like, back then, uh, where where Doc Death wasn't where you were. I'm not feeling that. No, no, no. It would have been different. It would have been clunky. Yeah. And uh, he wouldn't. This is with... Uh, Hesitate to say this because it could be taken the wrong way. He wasn't where I was no. in, in the stateside system. I was not. No anywhere. one was there though. But but Steve. here's the flip side: had we gone to Japan and worked that angle, I was not where he was. Right. So yeah. how's that? No, that's true. Yeah, it's, that's just the truth right. of the matter. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, you're one of the most recognized names in pro wrestling history. Obviously, what's the craziest fan experience you've encountered? Man, I tell you what, we used to leave the buildings in some of those towns, and you would be amazed at how many, like, if, 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 like girls would have their shirts kind of pulled up a little bit. I mean, I don't know how many skull tattoos. They call it tramp stamp. I, yeah. I don't mean to be disrespectful. I don't know how many skulls I've seen, you know, leaving arenas right there. And then I've seen, you know, guys with stone cold skulls. I still get them, you know, on their shoulders, calves. I, I think it's cool as hell. I mean, you know, I, I would think twice before I got gotcha. Spock or Dick, you know, <laughs> right. tatted on my arm. I love you guys. 
Uh, but I remember one time we was working a Texas show, and I was driving my own personal pickup truck because I only lived 150 miles from where we was at. I think it was in Waco. I might have been working in Dallas or somewhere, but I, I stopped somewhere shy of Waco to get gas. And I'm real good, and, and I'm sure you were too. Uh, a lot of times we'd be at the buildings, and we'd stay at the same buildings all the time. Well, the, you call them the fans, okay? Well, we, we, as we talk, man, God dang, man. What's up? Uh, just a couple of marks following us. Right. And so to try to follow you to, to your hotel somewhere, you're getting your bags out or gas in your car, they ain't going to hit you for an autograph. And we love signing autographs. But sometimes when you're on the road, you know, shit starts getting a little old. Yeah. Dude, you just want to do your own thing, you know, get you a beer and a bag of chips or whatever your deal is going down the road. I pulled into the gas station, and uh, the guy says, hey, Stone Cold, can I get an autograph? I said, God dang. I use the other word. I said, God dang, I said, you've been following me about 150 miles. He goes, yeah, I was wondering when you going to stop for gas. He goes, can I get an autograph? I said, you damn right you can. Vacation. <laughs> There's been all kinds of crazy shit that has happened, but when I got someone in my rear view mirror for a buck 50 and I pull over to pump up some gas, I got to give them a damn autograph. Hell yeah. So yeah, what's the best man. way for fans to approach you out in public then? Don't call me Steve Williams. Or Mr. Williams, I can't stand that. I legally changed it. When, when I was born, my name was Stephen James Anderson. My parents got a divorce. She moved to Victoria and met uh, Ken Williams. He adopted me and my two brothers. We had another brother and sister that they had. We're all full-blooded, we consider. So uh, when he adopted us, we changed our name to Williams. So I was Stephen James Williams. Many years ago, to make things uh, more doable for me doing business, I legally changed my name to Steve Austin. There's no middle name. It's Steve Austin. That is who nice. and what my name is. And, 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 and that's with respect to my real father, uh, my stepfather, who I, I consider my real father. My name is Steve Austin. So don't think that you're going to be smart by calling me, hey, Mr. Williams. Yeah, that's who I used to be. But for a long time, I, if you want to call me Mr., call me Mr. Austin. I just prefer that you call me Steve. But don't 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 use the Williams name because you think you're on the inside. Because you're on the outside. Because that shit happened 15 years ago. Nice. Hey, just call me Steve. I didn't know that you actually went through the um, through the steps of, of changing up. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Smart. Well, it, made, smart. it made things a lot of all the DBAs, all the bullshit. Mm -hmm. And the so thing is, man, like that's what people know you as. Right. You know, except for the the smart ones. <laughs> well, I, here's, but here's a story for you, and, and um. Uh, and I want to mean this in the right way with, with big with uh, big respect to Jim Helwig, yeah. Ultimate Warrior. Sure. You know, before Warrior passed, I hadn't talked I hadn't talked to him probably about a year, and I'd I'd call him on the phone a few times, ask him a few questions about nutrition because I figure if anybody know, you know, Jim would know because he always looked like a million bucks. Yeah. But obviously, it's like watching the best worker in the business, or sometimes. It's, it's just naturally given to him, like a flair. He was just a great worker. Mm -hmm. He could also give you give you tips, but Jim had great genetics to begin with. Yeah. So anyway, I had a few phone conversations with him, and this is after he changed his name to Warrior. So I had gotten his number through, I can't remember how I got his phone number, and I'm talking to him on the phone, and I'm thinking, you know, wow, hey, hey, Warrior. <laughs> you know, yeah, I, I feel like a know? mark. I feel like a mark. Well, <laughs> I, I'm calling him Warrior. And you're like when when I when I don't know someone's name, I'll just say, "Hey, man, where you waiting for me to go? Where you waiting for me to go? Oh, you can call me Jim." That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> but you know when you don't know somebody's name, you're like, "God damn, what's that dude's name?" So you got to say, you just say, yeah. "Hey, man," you, you never get around to calling them her name because you don't know it. Well, here here's Warrior. I know his name is Jim, 
But, you know, just like you just said, I'm waiting for him to say, Steve, man, did, just call me Jim. Did he ever and he say never it? did. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. But out of respect, you know, and, and you know, Jim was a smart guy. Yeah. He was he was an interesting guy. And I barely knew him. When I first came to the company and they had that first WrestleMania or first WrestleMania that I was a part of was twelve and I was in LA. And because that was when Roddy Piper and that's right. Oh, you were here for that? Yeah, I was in it. Oh, that's right. I wrestled Savio Vega, I think. Yeah, yeah I wrestled somebody. I can't remember. My point is, match, right? that was when he ate. That was when he ate Paul up. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It was. Yeah. So I think I think maybe on the undercard or first match I worked with Savio. Whatever happened happened. But you know what? There we were, me and Dustin and uh, Warrior. Yeah. And dude, I, I was just in the company. It was on the bottom of the card. Nobody saw shit in me, and he always treated me with respect and was very cool to me, and I never forgot that about him. So that's one of the reasons. Uh, first of all, I, I thought the warrior gimmick was great. great. He personified the warrior. He got that gimmick over. Nobody else could have been the ultimate warrior. I remember the renegade warrior down here in Florida with oh, respect to that guy who yeah. committed suicide. Yeah. Uh, you know, that was you know, it was a, a copycat gimmick. I don't want to say rip off a copycat gimmick and it didn't work out. But Warrior was a unique individual and I, and dude I used to go to sport a tournament in Dallas, Texas when he was the Dingo, uh, the Dingo Warrior. Warrior. So I was a fan from way back, you know, the physique and the, the tied off bands on his on his arms and everything. But I always liked Warrior because he was cool to me from Jump Street from day one. He was cool to me and I d I wasn't even like I didn't even work in the same company as him. Well, that's what I'm saying. He had no reason to who me. And, um, and see... I you know, remember his, shit like that. His, exactly. And his his work, like, was always... People would always trash his work. But then when I go back and watch it, man, his work didn't suck. He worked hard. Yeah. He worked hard. He just did, you know, the stuff that people wanted to see the Ultimate Warrior do. Everyone right. else could do all the other stuff. And he used to always post these interviews on YouTube... And he would be talking about where he was going in his head as, as the character of the warrior. Yeah. And I was like, first of all, I always liked his promos. The, the one time that the company made that DVD, the, the, the destruction just, of the warrior yeah. or whatever, and that was, there was animosity there between the company, and it's since mended. Uh, and, and thankfully so, when he went into the, the Hall of Fame yep. at 32 in New Orleans. But people were, were uh, ragging on his promos, and I'm like, dude, here's the thing. What is a promo for? is to deliver a message, either to the crowd or to your opponent of who and what you are, what's about to happen. And when he's talking about going to a place in his head, and he did, and you believe in that character, yeah. then that is considered a very good yeah, promo. Man. So he inspired belief to the to the warrior. So when they started, people started shitting on his on his promos. Now, and now if you think context and you think content of the promo, some of it was a little out there. But it was always true to the to the warrior yeah. character, so therefore it made sense. You got to be at a, at a certain level to to get yeah. there and like, hey man, I'm going with this. I appreciate that. Yeah, me too. Dude, that, that takes balls. And there was nothing about his promos that were like anyone else's. No, there's nothing about it. But if father and, and endorsed him yep. and, and put a stamp on yep. this is who the warrior is. Yeah. Yeah. So who are some guys that you never got to work with that you would like that you would have liked to work with? Well, I always talk about Hogan, Superstar Billy Graham. Uh, Did you ever with Dusty? God dang. One time I was in the back of a Southwest uh, airline airplane, and me and Dusty were sitting next to each other. Noah's answer your question. Uh, I don't think so. I don't remember. Dude, I, 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 I forgot so many things. Uh, I'll get to that in a minute. 
But no, I don't think I ever worked with Dusty, but I remember one time we was riding Southwest, and you know, Southwest, you know, like three rows, yeah. I mean, three seats, and you're like, I think we were on the side with just two seats, and I was sitting there next to Dusty, and I was like, you know, he's a pretty big guy. And he was like, halfway in my seat and I'm, and I'm sitting to my, my mother went to high school with Dusty yep. she was younger than him but they went to Austin High School together. me and Dustin were born in the same hospital together and I grew up he was one of my inspirations of getting into the business because he, he had uh, got color someone had an iron claw on him this is yeah. Houston wrestling and all of a sudden I'm sitting next to the legendary Dusty Rhodes and, and I look finally I look at him and I said god damn Dusty I said can you get in your own seat <laughs> <laughs> and we laughed for about 200 miles about that shit uh, so yeah to, to work, to work a real program with Dusty would have been awesome yeah uh, to really work uh, a, a story with greater depth and detail with the magnificent Bobby Eaton I'll never forget winning my first title. Well, um, Gary Hart had dropped the tag team titles in uh, wrestling uh, a different organization in Dallas to me and Rod Price back in the day. But that was my first belt I ever held, a world television title. And I couldn't lace Bob Eaton's boots. And But to really work a program with him, you know, in his prime, me in my prime would have been great. And I always love working, you know, me with Brett. God dang, man, I, I'm, I'm leaving so many people. Kevin Owens? Well, it'd been fun to work with any of the guys off the current roster. I'm like, dude, I would always want to work with John Cena. I'd love to work oh, with Roman wow. Reigns. Can I guarantee you, what what I could get out of Roman Reigns, what I could get out of John Cena? And John John Cena's had some high profile matches that were outstanding with a bunch of guys, and I, and I totally respect the run he's had. I think that's he's had one of the greatest runs of all time. I could get something that has never been gotten out of that guy. I, I just promise you, you think, dude, what, what are you talking about? I know what you're talking I, about. <laughs> I would light a fire under his ass. There's there's taking somebody to dance, and he's been a dance, right. and then there's the dances with stars. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, you said it. But, yeah. uh, uh, man, AJ Styles. Uh, hell, man, Kenny Omega over in Japan, Okada, some of these cats. I, I can't just sit there and give you a, a laundry list of people, but those, those are some people that come off right off the bat. Have you seen any of the Southpaw regional wrestling? Man, didn't they just release season two? Season yeah. two, yeah. I have not seen one episode because I've been filming, but I watched all of season one, probably seen every episode six times. And? Jesus Christ, Rusev talking about the chickens, and he almost breaks character. And Cena as the announced guy, you know, Shades of Lance Russell, huge fan. I love it. So I'm, I'm about to watch season two, but yes, I'm, man, those, those two, uh, those promos that uh, Gallows and Anderson did, you know. Uh, Tex Ferguson uh, Chad and Chad Too Bad. Oh, God. Yeah, I think it's money. You Would you like to be in season three, possibly? Cameo oh, in season I, three? I don't know. I don't know. I said, when I first saw that, I said, I said uh, someone involved, I thought they were involved in Tex. I said, man, South Paul is, is the shit. Yeah. And uh, they're like, what are you talking about? And I was like, dude, don't, don't y'all produce this? That's WWE, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, I mean, they almost kayfabe me. I was like, man, this shit is good. It's awesome. It's so campy and hokey and fun. I, I love everybody that's part of it. And then, hell, you, you know what they're doing with the fashion police? Yeah. Yes. I hated that Fandango character. 
and that's a good looking guy, good yeah. body, pretty good worker. Yeah. All of a sudden they put him and Tyler Breeze together, and I was watching Tyler Breeze down there in NXT, and all of a sudden they put the, the fashion files. I'm like, man, when I watch Monday Night Raw, I'm not a comedy guy, I'm an entertainment guy. Sure. Those guys, they crack me up. I'll rewind their shit, I don't know how many times. <laughs> that stuff reminds me of like how I used to like Fuji Vice back in the day. You ever see that? No. Oh, do you remember TNT? Yeah. Well, that was like a, a, a segment that... Did you ever see yeah, the Fuji Vice stuff? If you go back and watch it, it is so bad. It's good. It's amazing, man. It's just a Miami Vice Yeah, but, but the thing about the thing about Southpaw is, it's, it's like I said, they, they, they found a VCR tape from the 80s yeah. and saw it remains. Some, just, people some people feel like, and I kind of thought this when I first heard about it, uh, that they were making fun of the old uh, territory days. Oh no, no, man, no, man! Not, so everybody's in on it. All. I thought it was. I was down with it, man. Yeah. Well, Mark Madden. Well, that. you know what? It wasn't that. You know, Mark Madden's a very smart guy, yeah. and he's very opinionated. So yeah. I can respect his opinion. Yeah, me but too. But dude, when it says Southpaw Regional Wrestling, I mean that's kind of like the heads up. You know, that's why it's regional. Right. And Lance Catamaran's always talking about the job he used to have. And <laughs> in Utica, Utica in New York, yeah. <laughs> oh no, dude! I know it almost all by heart. It, it was, I loved it. That's awesome. Um, so you've had your face on everything from toothbrushes to cups to, you can name it, action figures. What is your least favorite piece of merchandise that was made for you? Man, I, 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 when it came up to them condoms. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, I'm dead serious. Well, you're- Face on the condom. No, it wasn't my face, but it said Austin 316. And when you open the matchbox thing, there's a condom. <laughs> oh, yeah, you'll find it. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know if I want the 316. I, like, I was going to say, that made me like your head, like your face was no, like right no. there in the reservoir, tip the nose or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but so. Yeah, it's kind of awkward. <laughs> so, see right there. So I, mean, I wouldn't say, yeah, oh, my Jesus. face on but I, and no, it wasn't. Well, here's the thing. You, you know, when 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 they got your name or your likeness or what you said on a condom, you you pretty well made it for sure. <laughs> so I guess it speaks to that. But you know, like it's like, hey man, yeah, if you ain't got one yet, here's a condom for you. <laughs> yeah. it's not one of kind of like you can hand out a t-shirt, a baseball cap, or this or that, a foam finger. But yeah, you know, hey man, here's yeah. a condom. Hey, we're gonna have to. We're gonna have to. Get going here pretty no, soon, give man. Us a go on cue, man. No, I just <laughs> I feel it. Yeah, I just you know, man. I, anyways, but I want to ask you if uh, if you had seen any of, like Brian Pillman's son. Have you seen any like seen that guy? He no, looks I, just I, like him. Yeah, yeah. I haven't I haven't seen a picture of him lately, but I, I call Brian uh, every few months. And yeah. so I've had his phone number. I don't know how this happened. Here's a quick story. I was down at my ranch. I've since sold it, and for some reason, I remember when Brian passed. I had his. Remember when Steve Cardillo used to make all the all the, the belts. belts? Yeah. I had Brian's belt. I mean, Jesus Christ, the thing is tiny because his waist was so small, and it had flying on the, uh-huh. on the back of it. And I got, I found uh, Brian's phone number, and I said, "Hey, man, this is Steve Austin." I said, "I said I don't know how I became uh, the owner of this belt, but I think if anybody should have it, it should be you." And I said, "If you'll send me your address, I will send it to you." And so I mailed uh, little Brian, uh, Brian built his dad's belt. And so he now has that thing. I, I've heard that he's trying to pursue the, the business of professional wrestling. 
Uh, haven't seen him lately, but it's yeah, scary how much he looks like. Yeah, like you know, I talked to him, and, and you can you can get a sense that there's a lot of Brian there. Really? Yeah. And even like his body, the physique. The, yeah. I, I mean, it's well, it's he's amazing. into yoga. He's in a lot of he's into a lot of neat stuff. Yeah. And you know, um, I, I don't know, you know, what the mother's doing right now, but she was uh, very beautiful. Brian was a good-looking guy with great genetics. Yeah. Uh, terror on the football field, high IQ. So, I mean, you know, he, he's, he's got good genetics. Yeah. So we'll see what he, what yeah. he can make out of it. Yeah, that. I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see yeah. what happens. What happens. Hey, um, how's how's uh, family back home? Uh, the flood flood affecting your, uh, my, 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 your stuff? My parents, my mom and dad, uh, they have electricity. They lost power for a little bit, but they're out of harm's way there in Edna. My, my two brothers and my sister still have electricity, and they're fine because they're not in an area that's going to flood in Edna. And then in Houston, man, I, when I was filming the show and I first found out about the hurricane, I almost thought it was a rib. And then, then I, I was joking with my yeah. buddy who lives in Rockport, the town where it landed. And oh my God, reason, Rockport's just devastated. Dude, it, it rocked them. It's gone. I and I was talking gone. to him, he's on my podcast tomorrow, and uh, his house came out unscathed. <clears throat> unscathed, and he built it. He built it, and it's just, it's just a small yeah. house, and he got lucky. And we were talking about that that shit that uh, hurricane. It was almost like you see, he started sending me pictures afterwards, and it was almost like he did. He had PTSD. I swear to God, he was trying to play the tough guy on the podcast, and this is one of my very best friends. Yeah. Uh, but you know, by by the by the end of it, you know, you could see that that guy was still in shock because he's been there for I don't know how many years, and he'll never leave. And to see all the all the houses that he built, all the all his friends places that he worked on just and, and the people are going there and they're picking up silverware in the yard a towel here this that or whatever pieces of their lives and and some people's shit is just blown completely it's gone mm-hmm. and then when you see houston and that whole area is just completely underwater and that's my old stomping ground yeah so it's just devastating and a lot of people don't i you know i don't think they even take it take it serious enough that that so many people have lost everything i mean a couple hundred thousand people over there and kind of were really grinding my gears. I don't know if y'all heard about this. Uh, that one guy down there from Florida were like, "Hey, yeah, that's what they get for voting Trump." Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm like, dude, what an asshole! Hey, yeah. You don't bring bring politics into this. This world. This is a, this is a, a natural disaster, mm-hmm. and nobody, uh, whatever you voted on, or even if you you didn't vote, all of a sudden you're gonna. Yeah, I'm really disappointed. Kind of, yeah. This is this is what you, you deserved it. No, dude, f. You. Yeah, I'm really disappointed on a lot of people on both sides of, of things. You can't uh, bring, you know, you, you, you don't. They can't wait till the storm this. even ends and we get people at least, you know, to safety. I mean, mm-hmm. before we but start, it'll be it's going to be months before the water leaves, yeah. and it's going to be years for that town to rebuild. I was just talking when you came up to me outside. Yeah, I was just talking to my buddy. It's first time I'd heard from him in Houston, I, and he grew up there. I played junior college football with him, and I said, "Dude, I said, here's the thing. You're from there." And I said, you know that the Houston, you know, it, it no longer exists. It, it might come back as two or three different cities because yeah. of the way those bayous and the floodplains and everything is. It'll never be the same. And then, you know, it's like Katrina. When Katrina mm-hmm. happened, so many people were displaced. You know, they, they found roots in, in, you know, a lot of Texas towns. So now the people, a lot of the people that will be displaced from the Houston area will find a set of roots in a different town and just won't go back. So that town will never be the same. Wow. Uh, so, um, well, my thoughts, I, I, I've made donations to mm-hmm. the organizations yeah. that I have. So if you listen to this and you got anything to spare, $2, $5, $10, 
whatever organization you choose. Hey, man, if you can make a donation sure. to help somebody out down there, I'm sure it would be appreciated. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah you can go to ghcf.org slash hurricane dash relief. And also, if you're in the L.A. area, there's different places where you can hand out uh, clothing or give in clothing and stuff to send down to Houston. So if you feel like if you don't have the funds, you can definitely give something else. And they're also looking for volunteers to go down there as well. Oh, thank you for that. I didn't know yeah. about the L.A. thing because I got a, a, yeah. all kinds of stuff. Okay. It's, yeah, this, it's, um, I'll, say, I'll send you the thing. It's, it's really, yeah. it's, it's just it's so sad. As just a, uh, a, a, a last plug, I'd like to just say Broken Skull Challenge comes out on Tuesday, September 26th at 10 9 Central on CMT. It's a real awesome season, and I think when you see the super trailer, you'll agree with me and my thoughts with everybody in South Texas. Right on. Right on. Appreciate you finally having me on the damn show. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> sink your battleship like you was able to sink mine. Uh, <laughs> who do you have on the show this week? Oh, uh, dear. Talking to my buddy tomorrow. Yeah. And then, I, you know, that, that filming that show is very intense. Like I said, yeah, you man. helped me out. Don Callis helped me out. I got a couple in the can. So I'll, I'll start start from scratch starting next Tuesday. Right on. All right. You want to come over to a podcast? I'd be happy to. <laughs> I just don't know. I'm messing with you, dude. I'm just messing with you. I know we'll you let are, it breathe a little bit. Yeah. Trade secrets. No kidding. I should go to the, I see you do some of the challenges at the ranch. Not a chance. <laughs> this body is, I, I'm in way worse shape than Steve is. He's going to save his shape. body for bar wrestling on September 7th. I have a show. Yeah, I'm actually doing a show around here. Steve. Are you? Yeah. i got to be With there. With Joey Ryan. I don't never like to heckle anybody. I'll come over <laughs> and heckle you. <laughs> hey, what, hey, before we go, you were going to tell me about transitioning? What? I, I, I'm assuming you're talking about my hair or something. I don't know. No, transition. No, remember we you're talking were talking about like transition of yeah. character over time. Oh, yes, yes, oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> when, I, when, when I look back... I thought you were just, trying to tell me to shave my head. No. <laughs> that was, it was one of the things... It, it was kind of a long-winded discussion. It was like, you know, when you first got into business, yeah. you know, just take a picture then to where you ended up, you know, with the DX, the cross shop. And when I started off with the long tights... Yeah. And then ended up with the oh, short gotcha. tights, the shitty hair, the stupid... Uh, beard that never worked, the short haircut trying to copy Ric Flair and then finally end up you know, when you take snapshots of your career, you can you can look if I take I would love to take pictures of me during all the different various incarnations of whoever Steve Austin was, go down to the NXT performance center and say, Look at this guy. There's not one single dollar sign, not even a cent sign written on him anywhere. <laughs> but I stuck with it long enough that this is what it became. And so that you always believe in yourself yeah. and never be afraid to push the envelope creatively from a look standpoint, pers- uh, persona, or character standpoint. Always search and, and don't give up on yourself because if I'd have gave up on myself, you know, based on now when I look back, man, I'd, I'd, just, I'd been gotcha. selling, selling used cars somewhere with did, all due respect to used Did you cars. feel like hold it, like when each time you made a transition, was it difficult? Like, oh, I want to hold on to this, like that I work, yeah, you know, You're in uncharted years. territory, you yeah. know, and you know, like, well, what, what works? What works? Yeah. Like I'm, I'm honestly the reason why I brought that up is I thought you were giving me shit about my hair. No, uh, because no, no. I've been thinking about shaving my head for the longest time. But people like I still have some hair, and when I put the bandana on, I still kind of look like you know Attitude yeah. Era X Pac. Yeah. And like you know, I'm not on TV every week, Steve. So it's kind of hard to do a look change when you're not on TV every week, so people can see the new look <laughs> dude I think you got plenty of hair okay thank you that's alright that's Rocket. all I needed to hear <laughs> and we'll see you next week right here on Xbox 12360 <laughs>
From executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, Sean Waltman, producers Jimbo Frank and TK Trinidad, managing producer of AfterBuzz TV Wrestling Mark Donica, and the entire X-Pac 12360 staff, we would like to thank you for tuning in. Like us on Facebook, rate and comment on iTunes and YouTube, follow X-Pac on Twitter at TheRealXPac, and email us at xpoc12360show at gmail.com. This has been a presentation of the AfterBuzz TV Network. Buzz you later!